Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey pilot, you're cleared to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey everyone, welcome to Fly Cool Shit, Jeffrey P. Marky Fresh, I know you like being called that, and I hate saying it out loud, but I will do anything for you. That's how much you know I'm committed to this. I'll be honest with you, so, I, I'm, it's not that I like being called that, it's the least, it's the, just the least offensive call sign I've been given. <laughs> oh really? I mean, somebody, somebody <laughs> called me that way back in the day, and I was like, you know, there's, I've been called worse shit. Um... So I'm fine with it. Yeah. I certainly never, when somebody's like, do you have a call sign? I'm, I ne- First of all, I, I hate, I, I'm not a big call sign fan, but I never I'm say not. like, oh yeah, just call me Marky Fresh. Like, what the fuck? I have a good, my, I mean, my last name is kind of like my nickname, but I kind of adopted that through like family and, you know, I just grew up with that with sports. But that's um, awesome. I love it. I love it, right? Yeah. It's a little like, it's exotic. I think it's a little yeah. exotic. It is. You know, it could be used on Pornhub. Definitely. Oh, there's so many, there's so many ways you can take it. You could, you know, Pornhub, OnlyFans. You could open a gas station because it's kind of like petrol. You're right. You could take it. Petros you petrol. could take it. You could take it a, a ton of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do we do we still have our guest on or did he leave? Did it, did, 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 is there a dead air over there? He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> Flatline. Yeah. Oh, my so God. Our you guest, want... Our guest this week, I'm super excited. I can't freaking wait. I know I'm like talking over myself. The amazingly talented aerobatic. I don't even know what I I don't even know where to begin. You know, aircraft designer, builder, engineer, manufacturer, uh, competition aerobatic pilot, air show male model, male model, hair of the gods, Philip Steinbach. What's up? Most of it is actually a lie, I think. But okay, morning. I don't know. You got a lot of fans out there, and um, no, no, I think no, they just—they just don't know me. <laughs> I think I think Mark and I are the only fans of your hair, though. I mean, no, I'm a little. There's got to be more. Uh, let me tell you, Philip. Let me tell you how much of a staple your hair was. I didn't realize because I met you. Um, gosh, it feels like yesterday, but it was what was that? Maybe eight nine months ago, something like that. Um, and visited the factory and then it came back and I've been like, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about the game bird and I love the game bird. Everybody knows I love the game bird. Um, but Mark and I were doing some pre-production notes and I totally forgot that you chopped off the ponytail. It's just been, it's imprinted in my mind, this freaking, cause I'm bald. I don't have any hair, this, uh, this ponytail and, and why'd you chop it off? I mean, that's what, that's why our listeners are listening right now. That's who gives a shit about aerobatics. We, we want to know about well, your hair. Um, <laughs> it was too warm. Long story short, I went to South Africa to fly with some guys and uh, went on a bike. Big mistake. And it got really warm. And I found some guy on the beach. He cut it off. And I said, okay, that feels better now. Oh, wow. And been like that ever since. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I thought she just. And nobody wants to see a 50 year old hippie. So, all good. Well, so uh, are you regretting that decision now being in, in Bentonville, Arkansas? 
where it's not at all. No, what's, that's, what's the temperature honestly, now? I don't think they uh, allow uh, long hair in Bentonville, right? They don't allow long hair on men in, in Bentonville. Probably, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it's frowned upon. So can you, can you imagine a, Philip showing up to like a bar with like pigtails? They would be like, <laughs> "What the fuck?" <laughs> Boy. Yeah, but I think y'all may have a diff- have a wrong picture of Arkansas. Actually, um, no, I loved it there before before I was here the first time eight and a half years ago. Meanwhile, I didn't even know where it is on the map, so I had to look it up before booking airline flights and things and. And said, hey man, it's actually a cool place. You've got space to fly and, you know, nobody sits on top of each other like rats. So it's, it's a nice place. And it's been, it has developed since incredibly. So Bentonville and, or the Northwest Arkansas region is the fifth fastest growing region in the U.S. at the moment. And that comes with uh, plus and not so plus sides. But it's, I don't regret a second moving over here. That must, I must say that very clearly. What what actually yeah. brought you uh what what brought here like um did you decide to uh come to the US and start manufacturing airplane for the US market or how, how did that kind of process work to uh, to get Gamebird here or was Gamebird did you invent Gamebird here or did you um you know was it a chicken or the egg thing what what um what came first Philip or Gamebird to the US No I mean um First of all, there's nothing left to invent subsonic, you know, everything's been done before. So all we did with the Gamebird was uh, mix things together that other more clever people have thought about prior to us and try to put it in a nice looking package. And um, that idea was born like late 2012 and still in Germany. And then um, I met Stuart. I had met Stuart two years before um, and he bought airplanes from me, uh, Extremes. And um, we started a business together early 2013 in the UK. So my kids and I moved to England, to Lincolnshire to be precise. Uh, In January 2013, we started a business there. And a year into that English adventure, we both decided that this is for various reasons, not the ideal place to have a business as such. And then to cut a long story short, within about a minute, we had the choice between moving it to Germany, where I've done things like that before, or the US. As I've been 38 years in Germany, it feels like enough. So let's go to the US. And yeah, it's been quite the experience so far. Sure. Like I said, when, no you Stuart, when you say Stuart, you say Stuart Walden? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, does he still own the Extreme Airs? Yes, they're here in the hangar here. Not in the game hangar, but in in his hangar on the airfield. Cool, cool. I don't know if we're, I, I don't remember if we, we ever talked about this. Uh, we initially kind of uh, the three of us kind of talked on the phone and, and we got a game plan maybe like I don't know a couple months ago. Um, but uh, I've flown a Phenom three hundred in Bentonville and met you because um, I flew mm-hmm. one of um, somebody was getting married. One of the Waltons was getting married, um, and I flew somebody from San Francisco to Bentonville in the Phenom to attend this wedding and it was like it was unreal because i'm like i've never been to bentonville i've been in like rogers i've been to you know i've been a few places in arkansas but i've never been to bentonville i'm like i have no idea what to expect it's a long flight it's a little airport you know and like on final approach i see you know a spitfire and a p51 just going just balls to the wall these like crazy passes and then i see this like weird aerobatic airplane on the ramp and i actually um, walked up and, t- and chatted with you a little bit 
uh, which was super cool. So that was kind of my first four-way in the scene. I think that was the Game Bird prototype that you were gonna you were gonna fly that day, and uh, it's a really cool little airport with lo- a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, and you didn't, I mean that was a few years ago when you were here. You need to see it now. The place is exploding in a changed? good way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that yeah, might have been changing. honestly. That might have been 2016 or 27, 2017 at the latest, but um, yeah. 2015 or 2016. So it was a long time ago. Yeah, you probably wouldn't recognize it now. At, you know, at first glance, if you get out of an airplane, it looks very different now than it did four years ago. Wow, in a good way. And everything so. gets scratch built. The whole the whole facility at Gamebird right now. That where I was at. I mean, it's incredible looking to say the least. Um, but you guys built that from the ground up, right? Yeah, I mean, the one thing, you know, about building airplanes is like the rest of the U.S., you know, go big or go home pretty much. So there is no such as half pregnant. You can't just make it halfway because then you're never going to go anywhere. Either you do a certification right or you don't do it at all. There is no halfway in between. And the same is with manufacturing. If you want to, you know, play with the big people, then you just have to step up your game and build like a real company. And, um, you know, I've done a couple of years ago and a little talk in Oshkosh and the the overwhelming reaction was, yeah, that all sounds way too expensive. But if you look at the money that we spend versus what other people spend, I think we're in pretty good shape. And um, there is to my, I mean, I would be able to do it for any less to start with. And I don't know of anybody who did it for less. And yeah. the... Um, you know, we're not deliberately trying to make an expensive airplane. We're just trying to make an airplane that we are allowed to sell to the public. You just have to jump through so many hoops to get there. And um, each of those hoops is an investment in money and time. Yeah. And um, at the end of it, you know, hopefully you got something together that other people like enough to give you, you know, make it a you're worthwhile. So make it a business and not somebody's hobby. And we're about yeah. at that point, uh, and that really is the the whole thing, you know. And if we would have gone to build like the next all balls to the wall aerobatic crazy toy, it would look probably considerably different. And I'm not saying it's not a good aerobatic airplane, but if it was just that, you know, then I would very much doubt that it would, was was worth the investment that we put in so far. Yeah, interesting. Well, I love. I love the comp- I love the company because I love how the first thing I loved about it was when you guys posted the videos of structural testing the wing and yeah, the fuselage. Cool. I mean, because it wasn't like, you know, you see some of these kit builders online and they got like concrete bags laying up on, <laughs> on the wing and everything. And, you know, it's like a couple guys this kind of laying concrete bags. But the jigs that you guys were using to, to actually load test these wings and, and do the crash test on the, uh, the fuselage was, I mean... It was incredible. I mean, I'm sure it costs a lot of money, but at least it, to me, it's worth every every penny as a customer being able to see that. And then just the facility, walking through the facility of where they're being made, I think that says a lot. And I think that's that's um, it coincides too with Extra. I think Extra has a great facility from the pictures that I've seen. Um, I think yours is better. Um, I don't mind saying that out loud. Um, but it just shows that there's no short, there's no corners being cut. And um, I don't know. I'm like fumbling over my words because I, I just love. There's so many good things about this game bird um, that when I saw it, it's just. I think one day I, I, I'd love to have one. Um, but let's talk about it. So, Mark, you're you're kind of the virgin here who doesn't know a lot about game bird. Why don't you 
why don't you pick away here? Yeah, no, I'm. I, so I love the space. So like, obviously, like the buzz generated on the on the GB1 like is huge. You know, it's like um, as an extra fanboy, and I think we even talked about this offline a little bit uh, back when we were uh, kind of uh, organizing this. Obviously, I love the extra. The, you know, the extra is it, it's a high pedigree, right? It's a, a it's a very winning airplane. It's got a long history of of high level competition air show and all that stuff. The the two seat aerobatic market is a really interesting space and it feels like you know it's almost bridging the gap to where you don't have to worry about a single seat and a two seat airplane anymore i mean this really does feel like a full unlimited two seat airplane that can be really really competitive and it's super exciting to see this space you know like obviously the ng you know would be like this the similar comparison um in terms of like the the genre of airplane you know is it's an exciting thing to see, and I, I can't wait to see um, the more the the more people that purchase it. You know, the more that we can see it out in the world, where it's in the training environment, where it's in the 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 flight school environment or competition environment, and, and then of course, especially the air show environment. Um, it just seems super there, exciting. Hey, Philip, are there any game birds um, that are going to be in flight schools yet? I'm sure they will make their way in there, but has, have any been sold to a flight to do training or UPRT things like that? Um, yes and no. Um, the short answer is we're going to start UPRT here ourselves. You know, as Christian Bolton started with us a couple of weeks sure. ago, and he has been, um, he's a flight instructor, obviously, for a very long time, first in Chile in the military, and then he worked for flight safety in Florida. And um, so he, he's fantastic. He brings, yeah, he brings a lot to the table, really. And so to keep him busy when he doesn't just need to sell more airplanes, then uh, we consider to go into the upset recovery business and also do, um, you know, offer aerobatic instructions or formation instructions, whatever. I think there is a an opportunity in the market right now to to do this kind of thing. The the airplane lends itself to be quite a good two seat airplane actually because the front seat is a little bit more um, user friendly, I would say, than. A lot of the legacy airplanes without trying to say anything bad here sure no that it, uh, and that's just, what it looks uh, like and that's kind of one of the things i noticed um the front the front seat on any uh aerobatic airplane is is an afterthought you know and it, it that front seat on the uh, the gb1 looks pretty comfortable by yeah, you know, it's got a I mean, whole set of everything yeah yeah the problem is every every airplane is a bag of compromises and um sure. at some point you have to just decide what you want and um let's say in the traditional manufacturing methods like you know steel steel and uh, steel tube, steel tube fuselage etc you're just limited in in a few ways what you can actually do with the interior where you need to put structure in composite it's a little bit more free meanwhile the experience is there to do it the analysis tools are available for and for you know an explainable amount of money as opposed to 30 years ago and um, you know, also bear in mind when you win and under which conditions most of these legacy airplanes were built. I think we have a with our company or with the Gamebird, we had the huge advantage that we had um, experience and the budget to put, to see it through at the same time. And if you look, you know, I'm reading airplane magazines for a bit over forty years now, and the number of manufacturers that came in went um, is enormous. Over the last 40 years, there's probably a handful, if that many, manufacturers who made it, 
who made more than let's say 10 airplanes ever you know and certified and brought them to market and are still around and yeah, so sure. the bar is pretty high and the was that the goal what I'm trying the to say with to this get US certification was that like was it yes okay yeah yeah, yeah. I mean the the US is the single the US market I wouldn't say attack you know we're kind of trying to be nice here but the um, <laughs> it is um, the US is is the biggest sing, the single biggest market worldwide it's about as big as a market as the rest of the world combined and wow. um, we even though we started in Europe we did the bilateral we did the certification uh, with the FAA and EASA in parallel through a bilateral agreement between those two regulators and that has uh, served us pretty well and you know, the FAA is a lot more practical on the operation side, but uh, composite certification or composite airplane certification is, I would say there's more experience in Europe through the gliders and the, you know, co companies like Extra, Diamond Aircraft, Grobe. The, um, yeah. That's just yeah, not as common here. Yeah, they've been doing it for here. a long time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, you know, we didn't invent anything here. It's just good stuff mixed together in something that, you know, hopefully can be sold. And... Um, Back to back to your point with the two seat, you know, there's a lot of. You start basically with an airplane design like this starts with the basic decision: how many people and which engine. And the engine is a, there really isn't a choice, you know. So you're you're kind of stuck with with those two guys, and people on average don't get any smaller. Yeah, well, hold so, on. Let me, let me let me interrupt you, Philip, because you threw a Vendenyev on one of your S box. So why are we not seeing a, a game bird with the Vendenyev on it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, this this airplane, the Angry Fish, was extremely interesting to fly. It was, uh, to to my best of knowledge, probably the piston airplane with the best power to weight ratio. It could oh hover with about eighty percent of power and could accelerate back to about fifty five knots in the vertical up. Wow. Um, it had pretty interesting stall characteristics, and but the thing that was, um, I would say, the most um, annoying was the amount of maintenance that this engine required and yeah, when it requires that it's, it's 10x more expensive yeah so the engine itself is is cheap and if you're uh, you know to purchase and if you operate it in a yak 52 or yak 50 and you run it on a standard like 360 horsepower uh, power setting then you know it's a very good engine for a long time mostly yeah uh, what we did was we took a modified engine which Put out like 430 or something horsepower <laughs> and uh, we got a um, three meter nine foot um, three blade oh prop with nine inches root cord on the blades to <laughs> pedal a lot of air through the through Jeez. the uh, engine you know, to keep it cool when it during slow flight which was obviously the main design point of this thing yeah and um it it decelerated equally quick as it accelerated so sure when you Jeez. you know after after stepping out of this thing into a Lycoming powered airplane, it felt like somebody put the parking brake on or left half the cylinders <laughs> off. Um, but of course, you know it comes. Everything comes with a price, and uh, the airplane didn't. I mean, it still it still exists, but it didn't function for very long for very, for various reasons. Unfortunately, so is, it, is it still an airplane, or was it taken apart? It's more lawn art in the meantime. Um, I'm I'm not sure if it ever becomes an airplane again. And yeah. um, it is 
it is just not a practical thing to operate. You know, if you look at Wayne Handley's Turbo Raven, this yeah. was a more even a more practical airplane because you don't have to expect the PD6 to stop in mid-air for no reason. Whereas uh, that has been observed with M14s on more than one occasion by several people who put them into, you know, fields, orange groves, all kinds of nice places where you rather not be in an airplane. Did you ever think um, about just just throwing a regular? I mean, the regular Vendignev is a great motor, and just well, even the even the PF, the four hundred, which is the bigger blower on it. I mean, maybe one of our like seven listeners out there is is looking for an S buck with a radial engine, so he'll hit you up. <laughs> we'll give you a shout. <laughs> if anything, it's yeah, super yeah. Cool. I mean, but it I'll is cool, no you, question. I, I would fly hmm? that. So, like, there's one airplane that I would fly to go see, and that's the Yak one ten. Yeah. Um I definitely yeah. want to see that fly. And if there was an S Bach with a radial engine, um, I don't know if I would fly to you know California, but I would go to Florida, like that kind of distance from New York. I'd go see it without a doubt. Yeah, I mean okay. well it's very unique. Yeah. You know, and especially in the world of air very shows unique. where you're trying to be, you know, you're trying to diversify and, and stand out from the rest of the crowd in terms of booking air shows, a, a radial engine high energy monoplane act is pretty unique. Totally. Yeah, so the idea was actually, you know, the, that was something that Renoy Carl and I came up with uh, years ago, probably 2007 or something like this. And then it took a while to find somebody who put some ta- money on the table to make it happen. Um, and then by that time, Renoy wasn't alive anymore, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, Castor Fantobo was the guy who was supposed to fly then uh, from Spain. Yeah. And the original idea was basically to build like a constant speed aerobatic airplane and if you read alan cassidy's book you know he's talking about 120 in every line would be an ideal aerobatic airplane and this thing <laughs> actually came pretty close i mean it had all kinds of adverse effects on the side like um you needed to work the rudder more than average to make any line even halfway straight plus all the mechanical <laughs> things but Jesus. um it was definitely exciting but this is how this came about. But, you know, if, if you would like to operate something like this in the U.S. on the Asher market, um, a U.S. Asher airplane is, you know, spends like one percent of its time on an Asher and the rest on ferries. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I would definitely not want to cross, let's say, the, the big hills in the west of Arkansas with an engine like this. You know, I would or, or cut across the, uh, the Lake Michigan the or something. River. <laughs> Yeah, no, it doesn't swim well enough, so I would not uh, be very tempted to do that. Yeah, it's an angry fish. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that you know, very early in the build process, we figured out there's no way to make that thing pretty, so we thought we might as well make it funny. And yeah. uh, Costa at the time had this uh, sp- uh, Spanish uh, surf clothing brand, Angry Fish, as a sponsor, and he had his on his suhoi already. And uh, from there on, it wasn't very far to get with Mirko and have him draw up the, the fish bones on the side of the thing and the big eyes on the cowling and off we went. So it was quite cool. So are you a... Um, That's cool. Are you a fan of Sukhoi, Philip? Because I feel yes. like somebody... Yeah, because some of the airplanes, it's like very reminiscent in certain little like little areas. I mean, I, I love the Suk. I think it's... I mean, it's I want to fly one so bad. It's so beautiful. I mean, love you it. You know, Sukhoi has, has been designed by a real airplane company and they put a real effort in it over a multi-year yeah. development program to make it um, not only uh, the best aerobatic airplane, they also used it as a technology research program. So they made 
the the wing was the you know carbon wing and not the way that I would personally build a carbon fiber wing, but they did it in a way that a military airplane would get something like this. And the result is an incredible flying machine, you know, and it's clearly designed um, for one specific purpose. So it's not very nice to fly cross country. It's not very nice to, the Suhoi 29 is a bit of a, a zombie, I would almost say, but the 26 <laughs> is in, uh, an in, incredible aerobatic machine, you know, and if you watch Whoever Mikhail Mamistov fly, yeah. um, you know a classic routine or Castor Fantobar fly, or, yeah, yeah. Then you know this is there's there's nothing more awesome to watch than a an, a, a clean rolling turn in the Suhoi. And um, that's, I still uh, say just I an, still maintain that that and I say this several I've said it several times on the podcast that I I feel like the Suhoi is the oldest airplane that could still be a top level competitor in world competition and it is still a top air show airplane act to watch yeah yeah 100 percent. i mean the only reason why the russian team changed in the meantime is because they didn't own the airplanes so they were owned by suhoi and the team itself could actually they only had the the airplanes available to them for a few weeks per uh, per year Oh, and really? the rest of the year, those yeah, and the rest of the year, those things sat in trucks, you know, and um, didn't get any <laughs> maintenance, nothing. Oh, and God. when they got <laughs> to the next championships a year later, they had the original oil stains in Boxen from the previous year, from wherever the place was. Wow. And uh, then, and you know, it was it just became impossible to maintain those things. And the last yeah. two three years, you know, that engine failures all the time and this and that and. That was not, it's not a design flaw of the airplane. It's just really like any airplane would suffer from mechanical failures if it doesn't get any attention at all. Absolutely. Especially yeah. a radial that just sits. Like there's nothing worse for a radial than to sit. You know, it's yeah, funny it you bring that up, Philip, because, you know, we, we love Mamastov and it's, oh I think it's, it's pretty apparent that like the guy does not fly a lot of competition aerobatics and he just goes out there and does extremely well. So kind of leads you to think it's, it's a lot mental at this point. I'm sure he did a lot of, I'm talking like nowadays since he's 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 obviously been training his whole life. And then we spoke to Matt Chapman a couple weeks ago and, you know, he had a neck injury going into the 1998 Worlds and he got healed right before. So he went in there with like a clear head. Just he was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. However, however good I can do, you know, I got this neck injury. So it's you know, it is what it is. And he he flew with the clear head and he ended up finishing third in men's. Um, so do you think that? Like competition aerobatics, it the people who win at, are the most mentally focused and like psychologically better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not really about to a degree. It's about the flying, but everything in the first fifty percent is just mental preparation. Everybody who makes it the first fifty percent, or let's say thirty percent, could in theory win it if because they they can clearly fly the figures. That's not the point. It's pretty much you need to be able to sit in a little. Sh rainy sh shaggy hot for four <laughs> days drink with other people hot do the bullshit you know do the psychological warfare and everything and then from a cold start oh yeah we're gonna fly today okay let's launch and then yeah. still be focused and it's unlike a training camp where you try to fly four or five times a day at least i used to and um you know it's really it's it's those four flights in in two weeks and with all the with all the stuff that goes around it, whether you know, do we even get out of bed in the morning, or yes or no, and who you talk to, what do you talk about all day long? You know, how do you try to stay sharp? 
and it's the that's it's really the the much much more psychological thing than anything else. Yeah. Do you do and, you miss uh, the Patrick, competition at all? Oh, great question. Yes. Yeah. Clear. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, it's. Um, yeah. No question. I would love yeah. to go back, but you know, for the time being, the business has is clearly the the, the most important thing to build yeah, that to a level where it can afford to go. And, yeah. And. Um, yeah, but I did a, a little, you know, one day appearance at the Nationals last year. I just escaped I from that. work for a little bit and did a little warm up flight. That. And it is fun, you know. I mean, I, I do miss that. I did it for a while. And um, it is the only real <laughs> proof, you know, whether you're actually doing something as an aerobatic pilot, if that is ever a title or not, is competition, you know. And to an, you go to an air show, everybody cheers as long as you're low and smoke and noisy. <laughs> Um, and the competition is kind of the thing um, where you learn to be a little bit more critical with yourself, or learn to learn to le- learn with criticism, uh, live with criticism, and deal with it in a in a way. Otherwise, there's no growth. So yeah, and that's a that's an unnatural thing for so many people. Even people that that are that are that love aerobatics. Like that's a that's it's a weird it's a weird weird world to never be perfect. <laughs> Yes, yeah, but it's nice, you know. I, I really, I mean, I, to me, the competition was almost an excuse to go to training camps because in the camps, in particular, with with you know, I was fortunate enough to be invited to several French team training camps, oh, wow. and uh, flew with guys like Renault uh, as the most outstanding example, but also you know, the, the, the everybody else in the French team, Francois Levot and all those guys, Raloche, and um, learning flying with somebody who is better. You know, that's that's actually the, the real satisfaction to me and flying with a good trainer. But also what I think a lot of people don't really realize that aerobatics is a team sport. In fact, you know, it's 50% trainer, 50% pilot, I would say. And um, without a good trainer, I don't think anybody ever made it to any kind of appreciable level in this sport because sure, it is yeah. uh, it was all it's all just perception from the ground. It's not what the guy inside thinks it looks it's how it actually looks sure yeah i agree with that and i think that's um i hate saying it out loud and i hope that people listening don't hate me for saying it but i think that's a big part of why the u.s isn't winning we, we just don't have that infrastructure you know everything is self-funded and without getting into it you know it costs a lot of money and you know without that infrastructure and and say like a you know, a sponsored coach or somebody like that to hold you accountable. It's, it's kind of tough to, uh, it's tough to win. Um, but no, I, you, you had mentioned, uh, <laughs> you're right over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just play with your mic, um, your expensive microphone. <laughs> no, I got it at Walmart. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, also, I love to hear that. <laughs> Mark, Mark missed that joke. Um, no, I, I, no you, I got it for, I got it fully. I'm on board. You, you mentioned uh, air shows, and um, I'm just going to call Mark out on this. Mark Mark has been a tremendous fan. I'm going to say the name wrong. He always corrects me, but of Mo- Motegi? Motegi. Motegi. Oh, Motegi, yeah. Mark, I was going to bring that up. I had that. I had it queued up in my mind. He is like, he fell asleep to those videos every night of his life. And uh, we have to talk about this because I've heard, I've heard stories Mark's Mark's heard some stuff. I mean, how awesome of an air show was that? I mean, that was probably the coolest thing I've ever done with pants on, seriously. <laughs> and yeah. um, 
I've been uh, lucky enough to be invited twice, but prior to this, you know, I, when I worked for Extra 96 and 97, I met um, all these guys like Peter Bejenay, Klaus Schroth is still a good friend, and, um, you know, a couple other people who went there, and Klaus in particular, he helped me get on the horse with aerobatics a lot, and then, um, and he said, yeah, this is really the cool stuff, and he told me all these stories, and prepared me for that the little runway said oh you need to be like spot laning every time and just fly around the museum and this and that i said man this sounds awesome and then i got the chance and like marked you know marked like lines on the on our runway and i said okay i need to be able to land in this field every time because i don't want to you know go el- go into a place i don't want to be yeah. and uh, the organization there uh, the location was absolutely second to none you know this was organized by Jean-Louis Monet, who is a former Patrouille de France leader, so French mm-hmm. um, jet aerobatic team. And him and his assistant Linda, they run this whole thing like absolute clockwork. So, you know, you, you would get a briefing in the beginning of the week and say, right, on Wednesday at uh, whatever, 2.35p, this guy is in the box and does this and then it happens, you know. <laughs> It was yeah. amazing to see that it could really happen, you know, when other people struggle getting a couple of competition people into a box during two weeks at all. And then being part of something that really is organized and then plus this, the location landing on like a 1200 foot aircraft carrier type deal was incredibly fun. <laughs> and then of course being allowed to fly right? in, you know, being allowed to fly in a racetrack. And actually, you know, being encouraged to fly in a racetrack versus getting a ticket pulled because you're a dumbass <laughs> uh, was just an awesome feeling, really. Oh, the dude, videos from that are, I mean, that's so that's those are kind of the that, that time frame was kind of when I was first really getting into watching aerobatics. I mean, about all the, you know, the hot voltage vi- DVDs and, mm-hmm. you know, um, the YouTube videos back then. I mean, YouTube was nothing. And then to like, you know, see a snippet of the Grand Prix and and some of the stuff going on in Motegi was like, it was insane. I mean, so that was cool. when it was dial up connection. We had to like download it. Remember? 100 percent. No, it's like you, you're downloading <laughs> All it. These you millennials know, out there have no idea. They don't know what's up with that AOL, you know, <laughs> the dial in <laughs> sound, you know, um, but that, that. So why did that stop? I mean, I kind of know um, why, but. It was uh, sponsored by Honda, and Honda owns the racetrack there. And Honda had a, you know, they had a bad year, and they decided to you know, cut their losses, and that included, unfortunately, this event. But they had the style to actually send people to Switzerland to talk to Jean-Louis and tell him, hey, it's not going to happen anymore, but we will keep you in mind. Unfortunately, now this is um, 13 years ago, so I doubt it will yeah. come back. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was for me the same, you know, what you say when, when Klaus went, when Peter Bechner went and we got to see those videos back home and they brought the VHS cassettes back, back and yeah, it was just incredible. Oh my gosh, I mean, I, I'll never forget Peter Bechner ducking in in the 300S and, and like being below the below like where the crowd line would be in the racetrack and doing, you know, like skating turns around the track and just like, it was, it was insane. Awesome. It was, oh my gosh, it yeah. was insanity. And the, the flying was incredible. Yeah, and then also because we talked about the Suhoi, you've probably heard or seen the video of Alex Krotov smashing into the oh, yeah, pile yeah. of tires. Yeah, when he and was, in, uh, was anything, hitting, hitting, hitting the light pole. How was he alive? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, thank God. Thank well, because God. He, I'm not he, 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 well, because he was in the Suhoi simply. You know, in any other airplane, <laughs> yeah. he would have been dead. Yeah. 
That fuselage and, uh, really the, did remain intact. I mean, it, it, it was amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, uh, you know, he was in hospital for a long time, but he's flying again. And uh, yeah. the first competition he flew again, I think the crash was 2003 or 2004. In 2006, he was on the Europeans in Switzerland again and flew. And um, so that's really a testimony to the strength of that design. Absolutely. And, and after that, so when, you know, then the next kind of the, the kids arrived, to which I was, I was one at that time, we've got all this list of do's and don'ts. <laughs> and um, I can't repeat the entire list, but there was a couple of really funny ones amongst them. Uh, which, of course, you know, you say, why does this rule exist? You know, there must be a reason and there's, there's stories a behind this. Where... <laughs> exactly. So there were stories here that don't mix with don't mix with Japanese girls and not going to, you know, elaborate on this too much. But there was also a particular person who is responsible for this rule. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, oh, my so, gosh. Can you share for the listeners, like, what were you flying back then? And, and, and or, you know, maybe... Can you run through like the pedigree of like when you started high level competition, uh, aerobatic flying, like what were you flying and, and kind of the lead up to now and, and the, the development of the game bird and that kind of. Well, actually, can I, can, I, can I stop you, Mark, for a second? Yes. I, um, I, for, I just looking at the notes here. So um, it has to be addressed. So Renaud Ekal, I hope I pronounced his name right. I, obviously, Renaud um, mm-hmm. He was flying the. It, was it the extreme air? Yes. Yeah, we, um, yeah, carry on. Yeah. Um, I was just curious, um, you know, there's not a lot, there's a, there's a, a little bit out there not as much as cause YouTube is so influential now and everybody uses YouTube, but, um, when he was alive, it really wasn't as popular. Um, and everybody we speak to, you know, the guy was just a God. He was just a total animal and, ridiculous is there anything that you could say about him that nobody's really said um in reference to his ability and and maybe even like what he said about the, the extreme air and you know what he liked about it what he didn't like about it anything you can kind of share because everybody is is always interested in information from that guy i mean i met him in the on the world championships 2007 and saw him fly and uh he should have won that year as well um, that's a story in itself. Why I didn't, never mind. Um, but to this, <laughs> up to this day, he's hands down the best aerobatic pilot I've seen flying, dead or alive. And um, I, w- you know, for two years, three years, we flew quite a lot together on training camps and things, and um, that helped me tremendously. You know, and um, we like had a, shared a lot of ideas, and you know, spent time in the evening talking stuff, t- talking through stuff, playing with the airplane. And um, trying to find, you know, new stuff to to you know, entertain ourselves and other people. <laughs> and his, uh, you know, the way he worked in particular with Coco during a training camp was just absolutely incredible to watch. You know, and the so really? some of those flights are still like etched in my brain as stuff that I'm probably not going to see again. But was just unbelievably precise and, you know, the, really the epitome of what that sport is supposed to be to me. And yeah. other than this, he was just a nice guy, you know, really good friend. And um, this, when they had the accident, that was really, that was very close to home. A couple of weeks prior to that, I was at their house to do some stuff and some flight test work in south of France. And um, yeah, it was very sad. And the, 
you know, somebody yeah. with his background. It did, he didn't come from nothing. You know, all his family was flying and um, all his environment was really primed him to be that. But to have, get the opportunity and then grow into what he actually grew into is, was still absolutely incredible to watch. So was he was he a because, um, you know, obviously all the French uh, pilots uh, get training and every day it's train, train, train. Was he just natural ability, call it, or was he like a program type pilot or was he, you know, able to just pick stuff up really fast? Was that was that his real, you know, what made him the best was able to like absorb that information and apply it? He was incredibly flexible. You know, you can put him in just anything um, and he would he would fly it incredibly well just immediately. And so as an example, you know, I, the first time I went to a world championship was Granada in Spain, 2007. And he was there, flew the Cup 231AX and I uh, watched it and was like, okay, this is uh, this is how it's done. And so after the Jeez. after the competition, you know, I said, okay, do you want to fly here the new toy, the yellow prototype, extreme prototype that I competed in this year? And uh, he said, yeah, sure, yeah. And then um, just prior to this flight, he flew another experimental. I don't want to mention the name. And then uh, during that flight, the aileron broke into in a vertical four-point roll, and he landed with like the inner two feet of the right-hand aileron still um, almost shit. perpendicular to the direction of flight. I said, if you're like fed up with experimentals for today, you know, I don't blame you. And I said, no, 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 give me 10 minutes. I just have a water. And so came back and then did like, and like st literally stepped into the airplane, you know, from a cold start was just, okay, show me, you know, anything special. How do I start? How do I lock the canopy? And did an air show with this thing within like two minutes after strapping into where everybody on the airfield stopped and watched. Oh, and, wow. um, you know, when he went when the, the 330SC was shown the first time on the competition, which was the year after under the Europeans in Radex Kalove in Czech Republic, when he finished his free sequence uh, on the wing wax of the free sequence, it was the only time in a competition I've ever seen that after the wing wax, everybody on the, you know, everybody on the airfield got up and clapped while he was still flying, including, I mean, really everybody. Wow. And uh, that was another incredibly memorable flight or his like freestyle in Silverstone. You know, that's what that's one of the few flights you can watch on YouTube. But that really doesn't do it justice because you can't see the the fine details Same. and the, the precision and the the type of presentation that he was able to deliver with any airplane pretty much. Wow. Yeah. No, he's gosh, gosh. What, what a what an honor to be able to see that. Yeah, that was that was really cool, and you know, this uh, be able to train with these people, fly with those guys, you know, also with Coco, who is um, you know, no, nobody has trained more world, no more gold medalist than Coco Bezier. Yeah. So, and um, you know, Rob flies with him. I think that should tell you something as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, but on the other hand, you know, the guy that I trained with in Germany was on. I think on the same level, he's just not doing it as a profession. But um, well, it's at the end, it's it's work, and there's a few individuals who stand out as being gifted and getting the opportunity and putting the work on work in. And Renault is to me still the one that stands out as the best. He seems to get yeah. talked about more um, posthumously than than other top performers or competitors that have unfortunately passed. Like, I mean. I hear more about him now than I mean, I, I wasn't in, in any circles back when he was in his heyday. But, you know, 
he is still very much in the lexicon. People still very much talk about him and talk about his flying, which is it's pretty rare to see. Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, some even very high high level competitors and air show um, performers. You know, if they unfortunately pass, they they kind of do um, unless you're real, you know, friends with them or something like that. They kind of they kind of start to kind of fade. Um, but he is still very much talked about. So that, that should say something to his his uh, legacy. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. So are there? Um, this, I don't want to get too sad here. Uh, we got we need some positive energy. Um, are there any game birds that are going to make its way onto the scene in twenty twenty one for? I know it's not your business model to make airplanes for the arresty competition pilot guy, but are there any? Um, you don't have to mention names. Any of the game birds that are going to be seen at competitions? You think coming up? Besides, you know, maybe if you show up at one. Well, I hope so. I mean, at the moment, we're not in, in the U.S. We haven't sold any to competitors yet. And I'm not saying this with with any kind of taste in my mouth. You know, it's just what it is. It's I know it's not a cheap airplane. I know it's a new company. And um, the, you know, the times at the moment for people who used to buy this kind of toy um, aren't great with all the environmental stuff that we all live with right now. Um, but so far we've been able to develop the product and I think now it's mature enough that if somebody buys one, you know, he's not going to regret it. That's the, yeah, that's something I can, I think I'm pretty confident in. No, I really loved it. I enjoyed our flight together, even though I'd fly like shit. Um, but I really really loved the airplane. Um, no, it's, no, no, it's, it's uh, um, all good. So what I wanted, you know, before we switch topics, um, what I definitely want to make apparent is that um, the hospitality at Gamebird is is really great, to say the least. And if anybody wants to go see the, the Gamebird, um, what I loved about you and, and your company was that you guys were really inviting and welcoming. And I even told you, I'm like, I, I just I'm not in the market for a two seater. And, you know, I just got the single seater and blah, blah, blah. And um, you guys were like, no, it's no big deal. Just come on, come in. We'll go fly. It'll be fun. Who cares? Um, and you showed me all around. So is that invitation open? I mean, obviously, you can't get like 100 people showing up at your factory. But if there's an aerobatic guy out there or somebody who's maybe interested in getting a two-seat aerobatic plane in the not-too-distant future, should they just message you or contact you at GameBird and, and yeah, try to sure. set up like a walkthrough? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean that's what uh, Christian and I do, and um, yeah, I mean that's the way to get the word out. You know, I mean you can advertise all day long, but the proof is in how you actually act when the rubber hits the road. And uh, I think the facilities or the the way we build up the set up the business um, speaks for it. Hopefully, speaks for itself and is probably you know at least contributes as least as much to a purchase decision as the as the flying qualities of the airplane yeah and it seems um, like the facility in the factory area i mean like every time i see a picture it's it's very much um you know it's a total package right it's not it's not just an amazing airplane built in a shed i mean it's it's a total experience that you're that you're seemingly going to and then purchasing the airplane it's really cool i mean the, the whole concept it just you know, Gamebird just it kind of like it smells good, if that makes sense. Um, you know, it's, it's got like it's kind of got everything going for it. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, it's really exciting. I'm, I'm super excited to see how how it how it continues and grows. 
Yeah, it's never a dull moment here, that's for sure. And what's with this GameBird 2 to GB2? You posted something online. Is there you, anything... You sent the internet ablaze, by the way, with that that little snippet uh, <laughs> during Christmas. Everybody's like, oh, <laughs> shit. What's the GB2? <laughs> what is no, the GB2? I'm not going uh, to say that, no. So I'll tell oh. you what we think it is. Mark and I, we're, we're going we're gonna to figure it out. We'll tell you right now. I think that the GB2 is a biplane game bird composite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would, uh, I think I would need to get my head checked if that would be the case. Oh, but, geez, um, all the biplane pilots are I mean, screaming right now. <laughs> but, you know, actually, I mean, you know, Skip Stewart is not far from here. And yeah, I hope that yeah. at some point he's going to finish his, uh, his composite biplane. Because I yeah. think him in this thing, that would be something I would definitely go and watch. Oh, absolutely. What what um, would you what do you think it is, Mark? Well, I'll take a guess, but I don't. Obviously, Philip doesn't want to, you know, give it away, and I don't. I don't want to like, you know, guess right. Put him in a put him in an awkward position, but I think it's probably an experimental single seat. That's my guess. He doesn't have to answer. That's no, my guess. That's not right. That's not right. It's a it's a twin engine game bird. That's what it. That's the two. <laughs> That's, that's what Jeff already did that. He, no, he did three <laughs> engines. Sorry. <laughs> so, by the way, because you mentioned the Yak 110 earlier, you know, Jeff was here, I think, three years ago doing a display. And, uh, oh, wow. you know, yeah, yeah. So I was the I was the scout with the with the prototype for it to find the location. And that thing is pretty awesome to watch, I must say. Uh, it's, uh, I got to go see uh, it. Yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, go and see it. That's all I'm. All I can tell you. He's all a right, phenomenal pilot, and that whole up. concept is. I, I I watched the development of it. You know, as much as he shared publicly, and what a what a cool. You just don't see that very often. You know, you see somebody maybe strap a jet engine on a Waco, which I'm not downplaying that 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 act or that you know direction that people go. But uh, to take two Yak fifty fives and be like, you know. Not only am I going to join them, but I'm also going to put a jet engine on it. It's pretty. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty unique. Yeah, I mean, so you know, when, what um, Jeff in the Yak 55 was exceptional. The 55 is um, not what I would consider an elegant flying airplane, and Jeff really made that thing look like a spring chicken. And then, um, <laughs> you know, finding the money to do that put that insanity together that was just cool <laughs> that's something again you know which to me is the epitome of the u.s there's no other place on earth where anybody would <laughs> you know be ballsy enough to actually spend money and time on something like this yeah 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 yeah, yeah just it's, so it's just not viable in other countries is it to do stuff like yeah, this exactly yeah no but it's it's really cool you know to see that people can do this and having a blast and you know that's that's to me is really worth it's a good time to be alive to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So when do you have like a time frame? I'm still on this GB2 thing, even though Philip's trying to like sidetrack us right now. Um, <laughs> I'll not let that happen. What do you like summer 21? When are we when are we going to see something? Summer 22? Oh, later. It's going to take a little more time. All right. That's all I can say. Would you be willing to come back on to talk about it when you can talk about it? We'd love to. Obviously, you have an open invitation oh, can you to come break back the news on Fly Cool Shit. We should be the, uh, the broadcasting oh, cool. platform to break the news. It's a good idea. <laughs> Philip's like, hell no. <laughs> I'm going to hire somebody legitimate to do this. <laughs> yeah. 
Not somebody's going to ship me a shitty microphone. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. I love it. Nice. So, and then just to finish up the game bird talk, um, we'll just rattle these off and then move on to some non-aviation related topics. Um, Is green your favorite color? Because I love green and I think it looks great on the airplane. Is that all you know? You know what? In my previous life, we made a bunch of orange airplanes, and then I got told uh, you can't just do the B version of your previous life. And yeah. then we said, right, what what color isn't around much? Green. So we went to yeah. a paint shop and spent a couple hours finding the most poisonous looking green that would stand out <laughs> anywhere. And voila. You know? And meanwhile, we made more than one, which is pretty cool. And I, the more I look at it, the more I like it. I love it, too. And I why the name no, Game Bird? Oh, good question. Sorry, say it again. Why the name uh, Game Bird? Because I think that the 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 Extreme Air, the name Extreme Air for an airplane, I think out of any airplane, I think that's the most badass name out there. So it's kind of hard to to top that name. Did you guys have like the name come up over a beer, or did a lot of thought go? No, actually, it? lack of coffee in the morning. So we went to we went for <laughs> breakfast, and um, then he said we need a name for this thing, and then. Um, Stuart said, you know, all the predator bird names are almost gone, like Viper, or not Viper is not a bird, clearly, Falcon and all these dangerous things. And I say, yeah, that sounds too big balls anyway. Uh, but then, <laughs> then he said, yeah, most of the game bird names are actually still available. And at that time, little did I know that game birds are bred to be shot. But I thought story. to myself, game, game bird sounds quite cool because it's like an iPhone or, a, you know, something like this. It kind of breaks it down to what it does. And so it stuck for a while, and then everybody said game bird. That sounds kind of dumb. But then also in England, a game bird is a is a woman that is kind of up for it, and <laughs> um, so that kind of made it even more interesting. And yeah, so nobody came up with something better yet, and that's how it stuck. So you oh, that's a good story. I like that. Obviously, you started with. Well, in in terms of uh, aircraft design and manufacturing, started with the Extreme Air. Nope. No. No, I had S-Bot. a life. I had a life before that. I'm uh, sorry. Another S-Bot. misspent yes. youth. No, no. Even no. I mean, you know, I started when okay when I was really little. I saw planes fly over the house, and we lived in um in um just in the northern edge of a an military low flying area. So I saw okay. a lot of military hardware um, in the 80s, early mid 80s, coming in about 100 feet for our garden, F-104s and F-111s <laughs> oh and F-16s God. Oh, and wow. just really awesome. And my mom didn't like it so much, my sisters neither, but I really enjoyed it and thought, yeah, airplanes <laughs> are cooler than tractors. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, that is badass. Then um, I learned that there's a glider repair shop in town. So, and, that, and then I decided to kind of cut school a little short, left school when I was 16 to do an apprenticeship um, as a composite glider repair guy, which I did. And then after I finished this extra, I was looking in parallel for, the, uh, just as I finished this, I had to do something else for the government. And then um, extra was looking for people to help build the extra 400. They were looking for composite guys to work on the prototype. And so I read about Extra and Wolfgang Dollar when I was about six years old, I think, you know, in a model airplane catalog, which, which had those guys featured with their with the Extra 230 and then Wolfgang Dollar's Diabolo. 
And I thought, yeah, man, this is the shit, naturally. And um, there's airplanes everywhere. So when Extra was looking for people to work there, I thought, you know, these guys must all be freaks, you know, and um, kind of like lighter people talk about it all day long, and this is this is really it. And applied for a job and was really surprised that they took me because I had really zero, you know, experience other than repairing gliders and uh, like playing with model airplanes, of course. And um, yeah, started working there. That was very very cool. And I still to this day, you know, I must say, um, without my time at Extra, I couldn't do what I've done, what I'm doing now. And I still owe Walter a lot for this, and I have a lot of respect for the man because he has done what very few people have done before or after him is build an aviation company and make it successful without huge, huge, constant influx of money. You know, it's basically, he basically started small at a time when it was still possible, but he built it into a substantial business. And a lot of people criticize all kinds of things. But the one thing they really, nobody can take away from him is that is this achievement, you know, and I think that's, that's even more than that he's kind of the father of the modern um, two-seat aerobatic airplane, you know, that's also something nobody can take away from him. And I have sure. no, yeah. no, um, absolutely zero inclination to make anything that he did small, you know, and um, the airplanes, you know, I started flying aerobatics on an extra and it is, you know, it, everything since then is an evolution. The extra is an evolution. So nobody can really claim to have invented something, you know, since the, since the late 1940s. But it's uh, always good to learn from good people. And, yeah, again, I was very fortunate to have the chance to work there, spend time there, uh, be part of the 400 prototype, 200 prototype program, and then, um, you know, see how things are produced for a, for a budget. And that is, again, very rare in aviation. And then, yeah, after this, started my started my first business that was called Impulse. Nowadays, this would be either an experimental or an LSA. So we built around 50 of those things, starting with uh, 80 horsepower Jabiru's. The more, more exciting oh, cool. one has a 470 horsepower Allison turbine in it. Whoa. It's, <laughs> let's say, halfway between an RV6 and a Lancer. So it's a okay. side-by-side all-composite airplane, but as opposed to a Lancer, it stalls at 35 knots. So it's got, it has a bunch of pretty effective big Fowler flaps. And um, the problem was that with this with this airplane, we competed against all the other you know LSAs that there are. Most of them made in countries where the labor cost is significantly lower than Germany. So we weren't really able to. Um, to sell the airplane at the price where other people would sell their things and the other uh, particularity of this like small and cheap airplane market is that the truth can is a very stretchable thing may it be in terms of weight or weight uh, may it be in terms of performance data and um the so the airplane you know when you would fly with next to somebody would be quite good but on paper, it wasn't all that good because, you know, there's there was there's only so much ex- ex- exaggeration of of um, AFM numbers that I was willing to do, and um, at the end, it was just not really a business anymore. And then in my part in my spare time, I started parallel to starting to compete in advanced. I started thinking about what is now the XA42 or the Extreme, and initially it was just an idea to build like two or three, you know, with two friends of mine in a shed basically as an experimental thing and then i uh, had a guy who 
picked up the the project as a serious business opportunity and put some money into it and built this huge palace in East Germany on Kochstedt Airfield. And that was the trigger to actually do a type certification because with an experimental, we could have never even, you know, kept the lights on in this place with the numbers that I originally had in mind. So um, that's how this came about. And then the, I would say the business case or the business, business development was not incredibly fortunate of this place um i did have a lot of fun along the way i must say you know i met a lot of people that are still friends and um most of the aerobatic training that i actually did was with this airplane and um a lot of the things that i don't want to miss have been with this airplane as well or through this company you know going to the far east doing air shows flying world championships or something like this that was all pretty cool. But um, all the lessons learned from this is how it's basically that's how we approached game composites was saying, you know, we don't need to be like completely amazing. We just should not make the same mistakes that a lot of other people made already twice or the third or the fourth or the fifth time. And so right. th and that's, you know, how this came about is not cutting corners and trying to do it right and not see the FAA as an enemy work with the FAA to make sure, you know, everybody is on the same page and uh, not try to play any funny games with customers. And um, I hope that this your long term will pay back. And that's the third time I start a business from scratch, um, ex uh, game birdies or game composites. And um, yeah, I hope I don't have to start a fourth one. So yeah, I <laughs> hope <laughs> No, I don't. Too old, meanwhile. <laughs> Yeah, you so guys like, are you get approaching thirty, right? Almost thirty uh, airplanes out. Or yeah, we yeah we're working, we're completing twenty eight. Twenty eight is gonna fly next week, and then uh, number thirty one is actually in production. The fuselage is made already. Wow! I gotta be honest, the red one that you guys produced, the red and black one. I don't know who owns it here in the states, but that thing is gorgeous. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes, I yeah, do. Yeah, it's in California, actually. Yeah, the one that yeah it went to it went to uh, gosh, I don't know if it went to Ontario, but yeah, Southern California. That thing yes. is beautiful. Yeah, he's Patrick. He's a he's an aerobatic pilots member. I think that's oh, really? yes. Yeah, who got it? Um, that's oh, a beautiful cool. airplane. It's been really fun. I, I think you know, um, I love the social media aspect of it in general for obvious reasons, but you know, it's it's fun to watch. You know, when Walter. Uh, post a picture of a you know new ng rolling off with the paint uh you know unique paint schemes it's been really fun watching whatever social media you guys post like I, th I i think i speak for a lot of people like post more i mean it's it's been really fun to see the unique paint Love schemes it. on the gb1 um just general um man like like <laughs> you and christian is going out and and farting around and flying like that stuff is so fun to watch um yeah, we love it's it. been a real it's been a lot of fun watching uh just kind of watching game composites and, and the GB1. It's fun to do it too, but, you know, <laughs> I must be honest. It's, uh, it's a job, it's, huh? Uh, I mean, it's the best job I ever had, and it's the job I always wanted, so there's, I'm not complaining at all. Sure. But like yeah. I said earlier on, you know, there's never a dull moment. There's always something that happens. You know, we, had, we lost this airplane in Chile, and then um, there's other little things, and... You just have to find a way to deal with all of this and um, make the company come come out stronger after an event like that. And sure. sometimes that really takes uh, clenching your teeth and just biting the bullet, get through it. Um, 
but overall, you know, I mean, having Christian here is awesome. You know, this is um, the the formation aspect is something that I've, I've never really got any formal training with, and um, having somebody that you can really, you know, do this kind of stuff safely with is is really really incredible. It's it's been so far. It's been a really cool start, and I can't wait to do more. Yeah. Hey, Has he Mark, been in the states? Gonna, What's that? You're gonna love Philip even more because Philip is an avid helmet wearer. We're we're pro helmets here on <laughs> the show, helmet, baby, all day. And uh, <laughs> I'm a I'm a kind of suits me. I'm a bonehead helmet wearer. I love the bonehead. And Mark is a lift helmet. But I think I remember when I was flying with you, Philip. You were flying a um. I always forget the name of that French helmet. Ah, MSA Galay. Yeah, yeah Galay. That's it. Um, yeah, did I have you it try for a any long other time. helmets? Oh, you had it for a long yes. time. Yes. No, I tried, I tried other helmets, but I came came back to this. My uh, yeah, for various reasons, it fits me. It's light. I got a Bose headset in it now, which is awesome, and the oh, visor is the best one. So, and and it, I mean, the reason you, why I wear it is simply because I'm I'm afraid of bird strikes. That's the that's the long story short. Have you had an issue? Have you had a bird strike before that caused you to? Or was there a situation that really prompted you um, to put the helmet on for bird strikes, or is it just just a general fear? I mean, no, it's, I mean the bird strike specifically is general fear. I had all kinds of holes in canopies and pieces falling off airplanes over the last thirty years. Sure. Um, which where you say you know it's at, at some point you know you get too 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 old to die young and you say you might as well be a little cautious. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, the. It's not the you know the all the pieces in your head are some of the very few pieces on the human body you can't get replacements for eyes in particular, yeah. And that's just something I don't want to play games with. So the the um, that's that's one aspect. And then you know if you if you yeah. look at I mean I'm not really worried about the uh, about the game bird now, but um, I, I I forgot to lock a canopy on takeoff a couple of years ago with a, with an extreme. And I was quite glad that I had a visor. Then I saw um, <laughs> a, uh, a government test pilot lose um, a an, uh, canopy on an extreme, on a single seat, which has um, you know really nothing in front of you. And he said, you know, without his sunglasses, that would have been quite an uncomfortable ride. Mm, and yeah. so the, that's just really the reason for me. And sure. Whether it looks, you know, cocky or not doesn't matter. It's the, what I, <laughs> but like even less is having sunglasses under a headset. And what yeah. I also like is that it stays in place if you, if you apply G's. So. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it falling off. Yeah. Can exactly. you, um, can you, I want to touch on the SBOC Extreme Air Game Bird relationship. Can you share, because obviously there, you can, you can tell it's a, you know, it, you can tell they're all, they're all related in some way can you tell us about the evolution between those three airplanes and and why the game bird is the game bird why the gb1 is the gb1 today yeah so the the extreme the single seat is something that i started as a part-time project about 2003 as you know with the design and the drawings and then was ready to pull the trigger to in winter 2005 to 2006 um like I said, you know, it was meant to be kind of a boutique type single seat competition airplane. Originally even designed for a four cylinder to have like a similar performance, like a 300S, but with more, you know, more weight on the slow speed side and the slow speed agility side. 
um, when we actually kicked the project off, then Klaus Roth became interested to use the plane in the Red Bull Array. So we used his old six-cylinder engine uh, that came out of his 300S, the, that red airplane. I'm sure you've seen that from Motegi videos. Yep. yep. And, Does that look like um, the green that, stripe? No, written a uh, dark, dark red burgundy stripe, and that's so right. That was the, right. yeah. So that was the very first 580 engine that Lycoming built, and that thing has been ridden hard and put away wet on a number of occasions, of course. <laughs> so um, we used that for one season in the in the extreme prototype, and um, I was learning to fly the airplane, adjust the airplane, and unlimited at the same time. And my trainer Ludwig, he um, took that very serious and. <laughs> We had a couple of um, moments where, you know, it felt more like a military drill than actually a training camp. But with um, own, the airplane flew the first time in May and we had, I think we had the nationals, the German nationals in August. And I was able to win the nationals with the new airplane. And that was kind of an encouraging thing for the um, investor to continue pour, pouring money on it. And um, so we did, then did, we built 2008, we built a two seat, brought it to Oshkosh and then decided to do a type certification with it um, that was finished 2011 and uh, then i had a number of things happening in my life that made me want to change places more than anything and at that time i was flying a lot with gerald cooper and some other guys in the english team but gerald and from wickenby in england he runs Why isn't wickenby gerald competing anymore he's got a real job now Oh, and I mean, and also, I mean, you know, when when Gerald started, there was a real was awesome. He was great. He is awesome. You know, I mean, the the thing is, the last few times he went to the English nationals, I don't want to talk bad about anybody else, but he was just so way ahead of the rest of the competitors that it was to me, to him, you know, going even to the contest was like clubbing baby seals. So it wasn't really fair to anybody else. And <laughs> at the end of the day, he just um, decided there was. Um, yeah, he had enough fun, and now he's got a job where he can make some money, and uh, which is good for him. You know, still has the airplane, still enjoys the airplane, which is cool. Um, but just moved on from it a little bit, and he flew with the plates for a while. You know, formation and oh, freestyle stuff. Yeah, just for one season so far, because last year there was no season, as sure. we all know. And um, then, but back to the point, so that Gerald and I flew a lot together, said, hey, you know, Wickenby should be developed into like the aerobatic center of the known universe in Europe. And why not uh, find somebody to help us relocate Extrema to England? And, you know, I thought this is a really cool plan. And then, um, long, and also, to a long story short, Stuart was interested in purchasing the business and bringing it to the US, become an, an investor slash partner in this thing. And then the guy I had the company with at that time got greedy during negotiations. And um, after the second round, I said to to um, to Stuart pretty much that, you know, for less than half the money that we're discussing now, we can do a new product, a new company set up without the, with all the lesson learned incorpor- lessons learned incorporated, um, without all the, you know, the ballast with it. And so we did. And um, to this day, I must say, I don't regret it. It was a lot of work, but uh, the Gamebird now has, you know, 10 years more experience in it from me. And we started it with a much, much more, much, much more healthy approach to business, I would say, and to airplanes in general. 
um, just being a little older, having seen a few more things, trying to avoid pitfalls that you know I wasn't able to avoid with with extreme air, and um, yeah, that's that's how this came about, and it was never about you know how would I say you know to. It was always with a positive spin. So I, I moved to England simply with, with, the, with the intent to do the best I can in design, in company setup, and so on and so forth. And I think we managed to keep that um, yeah, business. Yeah, I mean, you, not to use too many ever, big words, um, but the ethics, you know, behind it. Sure. I'm not, I'm not a fan of big words, so thank you. Um, <laughs> um, you think we'll ever see... You know, Stewart at a competition because he flies aerobatics, right? Yeah, he flies aerobatics, but he also uh, flies a lot of other things that are really cool. And a lot um, of warbirds. yeah, amongst yeah that too. And so, and he's got a lot on his plate. He's got a very busy life, and it would be cool to see him one day. But if it doesn't happen, you know, I can't blame him because um, he uh, does what he wants to do, and that's good for him. Yeah, he's he's. Uh, He's awesome, especially uh, uh, yeah. bringing bringing game birth to the U.S. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, I love it. Um, oh shit, that's really cool. Are there any? I wanted to ask you because you fly. I, I know you fly the RC models a lot, which I think is freaking badass. Um, and you know, you fly the game bird every day, pretty much. So I mean, it's it's all relative. But are there any airplanes on the air airfield that you really enjoy flying? You know, besides the game bird, are you into like vintage stuff or, um, I don't know, like traveling airplanes? That no, I mean I like all kinds of airplanes. You know, I have with a friend together yeah. we have a Comanche, and that's really you know the more the longer we have it, the more I like it because it's a super efficient airplane design. And I mean, to more to a lot of people, it's just boring. I just like airplanes in general, and everybody who you know gives me the chance to sit in one is um you know I'm very grateful for and over the last i mean this this was this is another you know enjoyable part of the us over the last few years i got to sit in things that i never even dreamt of remotely even being close to and then all of a sudden you're on an effort and said hey why don't you take it up and i said fuck you oh know this God. is this can't <laughs> be happening and um no, it's I mean it's been it's been an awesome time so far and um yeah there's a lot to learn from every airplane you know you never know everything and um yeah whatever comes along there's every you know every day is a school day basically uh, that's, that's a good saying i love that yeah um freaking badass um i don't know how else to put this but we promised somebody that we would <laughs> that we would mention it uh. <laughs> so there's a there's a young kid out in California who's who's phenomenal, and we told him that we would buy him a game bird to sponsor him. His name is uh, Sammy Mason. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of him. Um, yep. And we want to get him into a game bird to be able to win nationals. How do we make that happen? We don't. We have a small budget <laughs> with our podcast. <laughs> we could put a well, small sticker have... on the bottom of the Com Two antenna. Oh, yes. Sweet. Does he have a job <laughs> currently? Yes. What's that? I, yeah, I think his name is good. He's a uh, corporate pilot, right? Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. He's uh, a corporate well, pilot. Temp- temporary <laughs> job then. Um, yeah. yeah. No, he's just. Yeah, well, around. I mean, he needs training. So he got you know, needs to find somebody to train with, needs to find an airplane. There is more than one around currently. 
So I love it though. Yeah, I think that's nothing I love possible. that there's gonna be I love that there's gonna be variety. Because it's just the same, you know, it when you came to Nationals, it was great because it was just SC, SC and then, you know, an edge here. Or uh, then obviously like one MX, but to see all those different types of airplanes. And it's so sad too, because there's no more Sukhois flying in Unlimited, which makes no sense to me because for the amount of money that they cost and what you get is there's no better deal out there if you want to stay at a, you know within the U.S. and compete at nationals. Don't you agree? Yeah, but you need to get to the contest first of all, and they need a lot of work. <laughs> you know, and you can't That's the thing, really. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I sold uh, some extremes to uh, people who previously flew Suhoi's, and uh, they all came back and said, "Man, this is so easy." You know, we miss. I mean, Paul Bonham and Steve Jones most, namely. They um, said we missed the one and a half hours, you know, being up to our armpits in oil and, you know, getting <laughs> getting smacked on the back of your head by a prop that you have to, because you have to wind up the rubber engine and then not being able to go because the, the, the you know, the air bottle is empty or something else doesn't work. And then you go, you've got 20 knots wind, you can't make destination because the thing is fuel critical on takeoff if you don't have an, MX, an M2. And so all those funny little things, you know, and as a, you know, what the Russians did, truck the airplane to a contest. Yes, that's very, <laughs> that's very doable. But, you know, if you ask Castor about a particular ferry flight over Poland, you know, then he can probably, he probably his arm will probably still hurt from using the wobble pump for an hour and a half. Oh, and, my God. Um, so there's, there's all, yeah, or I mean, yeah, Jürgis is just bulletproof. But um, the yeah. unlucky, but yeah, this Gastro the super is great. Pump for an hour and a half. Oh my god! Yeah, so I mean, this I guess this, I, I guess he's right. He's right-handed, huh? <laughs> yeah, don't elaborate on this. Ask him. He would he would be a good guy to be on your podcast because he has got very very good stories, you know. And the same goes for Gerald. Um, he is a very entertaining person, to say the least. Yeah, and um, I learned all the bad, all the bad things in the English English language. I learned from the English team, Tom Cassells and <laughs> Gerald, namely. <laughs> hey, have you ever you, you have any memorable experiences given a test flight or a ride in a game bird? Like you know, because you gotta even like when you flew with me, like you didn't you just, we just met and you know. You don't know me and you know I, you stuck me in the airplane and we went flying and thank god it worked out okay i think but have you ever had anybody that's just been a complete asshole or uh, yes sir. You? <laughs> <laughs> yes i know good question yes yeah i, mean, I do All you right, know demo flight since i'm for since yeah 2000 so over 20 years now and yes so what's, been your, some what's the first one that comes to your head First and last name, address, phone number. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, we'll all I can say out. is there's there's people out there who really, you know, should pick up another hobby like fishing or you know, <laughs> collecting stamps or something like this. But yeah. um, it's got to it be is. freaky sometimes because it's like you're you, basically trying to kill you. <laughs> well, and you like as yeah. a, you're obviously trying to sell airplanes, but at the same time, like. You I, clearly, you, I can tell that you, you know, you care about honesty and you're you're building an honest company. So you're bridging that gap between telling somebody, "Hey, I, like you shouldn't own this airplane," versus you know turning around a half a million dollars and walking it out the door. 
you know, that's got to be a real, you know, almost a daily moral dilemma, dilemma, uh, as you know, somebody who's trying to sell airplanes. Um, yes and no. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, simply because everybody likes half million dollar. On the other hand, you know, the, if, if we wouldn't have that, that flexibility to say no, then it wouldn't be worth doing the, right. you know, the, the bigger regulators and the FAA meanwhile is insurance companies and, um, yeah. They are, in fact, you know, much more diabolical than the FAA to begin with and Agreed. have all the wrong moral standards to start also. And I'm not Agreed. talking about individual individuals within these organizations, but the general mindset of, of um, insurance in the U.S. Uh, uh, to me equals rape. I mean, of the really bad kind. And, it's really, it's, um, it's really bizarre and it's on. getting worse. Yes. And the... the um, we can't afford to have any any of the first, let's say, 50 game birds having a big, big adventure because yeah. then those things suddenly become uninsurable. So, you know, I've said no to a couple of people and, um, you know, and then kind of had some friction here because I said no a few times as well to, uh, yeah. but I don't regret this because the, the, the future of the company is more important than the, the, sure. the short term. Yeah. Um, whatever well, we had, you know, sparrow in your hand. Sure. Yeah, we had Rob Holland on, and he was pissed that you said no to him. I mean, he was. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He, he was just looking for a table endorsement. You know, he, he's, he just needs a table endorsement. It. He really loves it. Yeah, really like the airplane a lot. Yeah, everybody's very complimentary of the GB1. I mean, that has to be a huge. Uh, that has to feel really good. I mean, the airplane is, is very well received. Um, yeah, it feels also good when it gets, you know, when you get your check at the end of the month. <laughs> sure. So, but no, it's good. I mean, it's it's been, you know, it's been a it's been a learning curve to, for everybody, including me, and um, more than anybody, I guess. Um, changing countries twice during the process was quite interesting in itself, and. Um, but seeing the result and starting to see that you know they, these things start to uh, sell themselves essentially because everybody who has one still likes it. That's that is you know a reward for putting all the work in, and uh, yeah. you know that's that's essentially always the point. Is it's just a lot of work. You know, none of it is particularly difficult. Neither the design nor the certification nor whatever the production thing is just a lot, and everything it's has to be process. done right in the right sequence. And yeah. um, the only, you know, that's what they say, and good judgment comes from experience, and it's big experience comes from bad judgment. Um, so I can, I can honestly say I've done a lot of each of those, and um, now it's time to, you know, try to do it right. That's really, that's it in a Are nutshell. You going to try to get the airplane to Oshkosh this year or any air shows? Obviously yeah, we were just talking COVID about this, COVID. you know, and yeah, I mean. There's pro and cons, you know, but I think Oshkosh is something we almost can't avoid, so we better do it right then. And uh, I mean, the other thing, you know, with the well-received part is that it's we managed to build a team. We're 58 people now, and you oh, know, people yeah. like Christian are having being able to to um, bring somebody on like Christian or Scott, our production manager, or you know, guys who do our paint, some of the guys who do composite work, is just. Um, that's the really rewarding part. You know, I really get up every morning and want to go to work. 
even on weekends you know sometimes i need to kind of i slow down you know for a while do something else but um that's probably the the best i can say is that you know the the guys that I'm, the people that, I'm, that we manage to enthuse about this thing or for whatever reason they do it that's that that me really makes the huge difference yeah that's so sure. cool yeah I, w- I really want to go back um i wish i had money to go back with but one day oh well <laughs> um <laughs> yeah stupid money thing um so that stupid I, 330 se and get on the train dude i know i know <laughs> uh, but it's it's got green. It's I painted it green like a game bird, so you gotta give me some credit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you know what'd be really neat, especially with social media. And I'm not trying to be a dick when I say this. Uh, I hope nobody thinks so. But you know, it's hard when somebody's looking for, you know, in this particular case, an aerobatic plane to buy. There's re- it's really difficult um, to to kind of judge, I guess. Because you can go online, you can see videos of certain people flying it, but then you got to take like an airline to, you know, um, Bentonville, or you got to take an airline to St. Ong, you know, yada, yada, yada. I think what would be great is to do, you know, bring a game bird, bring, you know, uh, an extra and a pits, whatever, and just do like a weekend and let the same person fly each one and just critique each one, you know, the pros and cons or whatever, and let there be like, you know, a, um, a basis, you know, to, to better know the aircrafts kind of going in, you know what I mean? Kind of like a, um, I hate to make the, make the, the, uh, what do you call it? The, um, you compare two things like what they do with cars, you know, get like the Camaro. Yeah. Shoot shoot out. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, that's, that's what train, I mean, that's what training camps are essentially, you know, that's exactly the point. And, the, so um, Rob Holland is getting his airplane painted here on a neighboring airfield from by, by Afterglow right now. Yeah. And so we yeah. ask him if he yeah, wants to spend some time with us when he picks it up and do some training because I don't want to be com- become completely rusty. I'm already rusty enough. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, if somebody wants to come with an extra, yes, of course. You know, this is how... This is the the only way to to progress in the sport is to compare things with each other and filter out the best and try to make it better. Yeah. And um, yeah, because I think that I could really see. So, you know, it's it's not a secret. You know, the the game bird and and I don't know much about the NG, but the LX are competitors. And for me, I really like the game bird more than the LX. Um, but I could see why certain people like the LX in you know a couple different ways you know maybe it's seating position or um just general feel and handling um but i happen to like the game bird more and i think that people need to be a little bit more less hesitant and go try things and go test drive them or test flight them rather and get their things because you know like even when i was looking for an airplane i was really you know nobody wants to waste anybody's time at least i don't and nobody wants to be a be considered a tire kicker and i think that's the biggest thing is people don't want to go in there even if like they're like you know what there's a five percent chance i'm going to get this airplane most people are like i'm not going to go there i just don't want to be that guy who's gonna feel like a bullshitter and i think that Hmm. if anybody's thinking that you're gonna piss off philip or be considered you're completely wrong you if you're in the market for a two-seater you know whether it's game bird or go fucking fly it and not not, not, don't feel 
don't feel bad. It's not that you don't want to feel bad, but like, you know, you're spending all this money. It's it's not cheap. It's a big so, commitment. Yeah, exactly. go fly. Yeah. That's and, that's the biggest thing know, I see that doesn't happen. I mean, if you know, if somebody calls and said, "Explain why the airplane is better, or why why you think I should buy this," I said, "Go fly an extra, go fly whatever you want, and then come here and fly the other airplane, fly the game bird, because then you Seems have a real right. basis to compare." Sure. And yeah. everybody has their own, you know, preferences and you know, points to judge an airplane by. And I'm not the person to tell anybody else. You know, it's it's good because. It's just my opinion. My opinion is as good as or as bad as any other opinion. So that's it's really a very personal thing, as you say. And yeah. um, that's the, the only, and that's again, you know, it's the nice thing about training camps when you do training camps right. And insurance aside, you know, swap airplanes and you know, figure out new stuff and get you know, learn new learn new things. That's really the only way to to get anywhere to 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 get better in anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, Philip, what, what would you, um, obviously knowing the airplane that like you do, uh, is there is there somebody that, that that this airplane is you know, not for like who. You know, obviously we we kind of know in general who the airplane's marketed towards. Like, is who wouldn't be happy with a game bird? I mean, generally, the, sure. I think the one the one thing I mean to just just try to stay polite here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the one thing that everybody who looks into aerobatic airplanes has in common is they want to challenge, you know, and yeah. the, if, if you're just looking for something that drives you from A to B um, and push a button, then, you know, I think we're all going to all know what I'm going to say now or what I should not say. So I'm not going to say it. Uh, no. But uh, the, you know, everybody who likes flying itself, uh, the, the, the manual aspects of it and the, the, the stick and rudder pieces of flying, um, this type of airplane is really the best bang for your buck you can get, you know, whether it's an extra or a, or a game bird or a whatever else, you know, the, a warbird can't do this for the same budget. And there really isn't anything out there, anything else yeah. out there who combines that performance and the handling qualities of it. And um, again, for the for a budget, no, it's fun. The airplane yeah, is and, fast. Yeah, I mean, what does it cruise at? Well, like two hundred. Yeah, it's nice. Sorry, and that's yeah, a and that's a realistic airplane. number. You know, that's not a not a marketing number. So I went um, when was that? Oh yeah, two years ago. Meanwhile, I went from brought an airplane back from Idaho. That was an eleven hundred mile flight, and that was five hours and seven, and was not exactly a straight line. And it was it was essentially calm winds, and landed That's with forty five minutes remaining in the tanks, and that was a really really cool flight. I mean, also cool because it was November. You did nonstop. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And uh, but it was really enjoyable, and um, you know most of it was up high, but you know seeing that it actually works, what it's what it's meant to do is pretty cool. And uh, you know, I went from here to Las Vegas nonstop and and back as well. Wow, and um, that is yeah, it's pretty nice. It's nice to have that capability. I mean, especially when you're talking about you're you know, I I never heard that figure before about you know an air show pilot only spends one percent of his time doing routines and the rest is fairing, and you know it's like you never think of it like that, but it's so true. And to have an airplane where one the performer could enjoy the ferry, uh, that cuts down costs on having to hire a ferry pilot and have the logistics of having somebody else do it because you can't stand to fly your own airplane you know yeah. I, um, I'll, I'll never forget i think i was 
I was a fresh commercial pilot, but Kirby Chambliss had put a job ad out for a ferry pilot. And I was just like, I'm going to quit my job. This is it. This is my ticket. And somebody was like, dude, don't even fucking think about it. You're going to be miserable. Ferrying airplanes across, ferrying an Edge 540 across the country. And uh, yeah, it took a couple of uh, cross country ferries and extras to realize how true that was. But oh, it's yeah. miserable. Um, it's yeah, miserable it's nice yep. to see an airplane that is so capable that, that uh, is also, you know, a, a cross country machine. Yeah, and that's, you know, and that's what I learned to enjoy here more than in Europe. And in Europe, you're pretty much tied up doing radio calls all the time. So there's 400 nautical miles between East Germany, where we used to build the extreme and then Wickenby. There was like 17 frequency changes on the way. Ooh. If you if you and that was just because every asshole with like a, a yacht wants to talk to you on the way. And mm-hmm. um, so we ended up doing 200 nautical miles over over the North Sea, which, you know, is almost certain death if you ditch mid channel with one of yeah. those because you can't put a life raft in it. But that was preferable over doing all the radio BS. And um, so the and, and here in the US where you can go from coast to coast pretty much without really having to talk to anybody. It's just incredible. Yeah. And plus the stuff that you'd see on the way, you know, in um, when was that in October, I brought a plane to Seattle from here. And that was just an awesome flight through the Rockies and with something where you can just, you know, fly up the slope if you want to. You don't have to like fiddle your way through valleys. That's just yeah. really cool. That's just incredible flying experiences. Yeah. Are any uh, any game birds coming to the northeast that nobody There is one, yes, um, which lives between Idaho and Seattle. And uh, no, some, sometimes in California. Uh, northeast, um, let me think. The closest one is in South Carolina. That's not exactly north, as the name implies, I guess. Yeah, um, that's east, though. Yeah, it's east there. enough, I would say. But we can yeah. bring one. You know, I mean, one thing that Christian and I were talking about, and we actually had that planned for last year, was to do like a tour and announce, you know, whatever, a couple of months early that we would like to be for two or three days on a airfield. And people can sign up and bring their own airplane. We provide training and rides and things, and that's Dude, something. Bring it to that me. Last, <laughs> yeah, that was you know last year that all <laughs> fell, fell tipped that whole plan tipped oh, over because yeah, of yeah. COVID, and nobody wanted to go out of its own house for the first couple of months when this happened. I mean, I think meanwhile people realized we're not all gonna die immediately, <laughs> and um, so last year was actually uh, for the business was a good year, but uh, to make it make this year an even better year we decided we're going to go out and try to actively sell the plane so whoever has a good idea for a location or a date you know for to do something like this please let christian or me know uh, because we're actually looking for let's uh we're going to talk offline because uh let we you and i need to definitely set something up in the bay area in california Um, don't don't steal no no do both we we can do both (laughs) Um, but nobody wants to visit the stupid Northeast, dude. Whatever. Long Island iced tea. <laughs> bullshit. It's like 70 <laughs> degrees here. I wore shorts today. Oh, my God. You're um, going to throw the weather at him? I feel like we're competing <laughs> for a date. Yeah, but we have some nice restaurants out here. You have some good restaurants nice out there. Rest- we do. No, but I... I, uh, let's, <laughs> I can't uh, even come up with anything to like to beat you right now. That's how, that's how terrible it is We got more Michelin-style <laughs> restaurants than you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's um we we could set up a network easily um especially i mean you guys know enough people too but um i'd love to see the game bird come out to the bay area northern california and spend a few days here in the bay area nobody likes it when you say that 
It is the Bay Area. <laughs> what do you want from me? God. Just, you and your I can't Northeast. <laughs> um, but that oh would be super God. cool. That would be super cool. I'd love to see it out here. I, I, yeah, absolutely. Philip doesn't care what you want. Let's just, let's just, yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, Mar. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. He hates us. Um, Philip, what are the, what are the, what's the, um, (laughs) do you have an ultimate goal for the GB1? I mean, uh, you know, what haven't you achieved yet with the airplane that you were hoping to achieve? He was hoping to bring it out to the Bay Area. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Bay Area would be nice. Maybe make yeah. it to the Bahamas one day, you know. There we go. There we go. Don't ditch it in the water. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Stuff like this. I mean, I would I would like to compete again, but it's also, you know, there's so many things to do with it now with Christian on board with some of the stuff that happens here locally. Um we got some, you know, some pretty good ideas I think what to do with the airplane in the future. And uh, it's going to be more work, surprise surprise, but um mm. it always is. Yeah, exactly. But uh, hopefully, it's going to be worth it. And the more you know, the longer we live with with this um, design, the more we learn, you know, what it could evolve into, and try to work work on it and uh, make it make it better. And I think that's pre- that's pretty much you know what the nature of every product. By the time you you think you're finished, you really only start to develop it. Uh, but now the developments really get into the incremental stage. It's not like having another wing or something. Sure. I think we were pretty Nothing lucky with sheet. that one. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. But it's, you know, putting more, you know, making it more of a useful, useful tool, so to speak. Oh, and, okay. Um, I think I just, I okay, I figured it out. I know what the GB2 is. <laughs> All right. I doubt it, but and we'll I, see. I think you gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned usefulness and I'm gonna I'm just gonna guess it and you don't have to say it but I think I'm I think again I think I'm right you ready for this tricycle gear I'm ready tricycle gear tricycle gear <laughs> that was a good a one shot of, you got a better shot of Philip growing his ponytail than him making a tricycle gear airplane <laughs> yeah growing a ponytail out of my nose yeah, yeah. or maybe like <laughs> a tricycle gear retract I don't know you know something Something, yeah, maybe yeah. something. Ba- something. The it's Bay something. Area is seemingly less and less appealing as you talk. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the the one thing it would be cool to see the airplanes in competition, of course, you know. And Patrick Davidson, sure. South Africa, he competed last year, which was really cool. He did uh, because well. he had the airplane for less than two weeks and made second on the nationals. He's a fun, so he, he shows that thing beautifully. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He he also, you know, by not by accident comes from a Suhoi. Still has the Suhoi though. And um so yeah, he he goes at it for sure, huh? Yeah, he's he has an early man. serial number, right? Like two or three or four? Yeah, uh four. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, that's, he's badass. I'd love to talk. I never spoke to him ever in my life, but I watched him fly and oh the guy's epic. Really Dude, epic. Can fucking fly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Him and, and Nigel like Bounced the title back and forth for the last God knows how many years. Yeah, um, yeah. He almost beat out Nigel, um, and uh, like yeah, like you said, he barely had the game bird. So I mean, that's kind of like Rob with the MX. I mean, we were talking about that last episode. Rob had that MX for like a couple of weeks, the new one, and he did he did really well at Worlds for you know not having a lot of time in the airplane. There's just certain yeah. people are just fucking just gifted. 
really gifted. Yeah, and it's training. Yeah. You know, I mean, not to make Rob small. You know, this is no, that's not nothing is further from me. But um, yeah. he puts the work in. You know, and oh, he has the the he mindset for it and the time to put in and put and does put the work in, and then you get the result. So it's yeah. it's very cool to watch as well. Do you well, have Mark, aspirations Mark? of having uh, getting you know a uh, um, like a high uh, high profile um, single ship air show act as well? Like so, obviously to see the airplane compete and do well there, but to have somebody that's on the national air show circuit. Um, do you have aspirations? I mean, obviously you do, but is there any um, any talks of somebody picking up a GB1 that's in that space to, to do, you know, kind of a, a nationwide or a air show? Or, G- or GB2. Or GB2. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not really at the moment. Yeah, with wheels on the wingtips. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's gonna be a it's gonna be a twin engine. Tricycle biplane. That's tricycle what the <laughs> Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty much like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I wanted to say, you know, Mark is going to be competing for. He's going to make his competition debut. Do you have any advice for him? Yeah, enjoy it. Never get yeah, wound right. up on little shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Always remember you're there to have fun. That's the that's the the one thing that took me way too much time to figure that out. And to you know not take it too serious, and because by the time you take it too serious, it takes the fun away, and that's where the problem is start. That's great advice because so honestly, um, the reason why I've been so reluctant to compete is I I, w- I wasn't sure that I would have fun, and so I was you already approaching it with the, from everybody. that mindset. What's that? You just didn't want to beat everybody. You're just Shit. amazing. <laughs> no, it's like I, I just I don't have like that hardcore competition bone in my body. I just want to go. I just yeah, want to have do. fun. And, and I really don't. I don't. Dude, you have a Peloton. But I don't try to I don't try to like, you know, I only want to beat you. That's all I care about. <laughs> oh no, God. I mean, you know, that's that's also another difference to, to to athletics or something. You don't fly against other people, you fly against yourself. Yeah. Don't you, you think know, that so competitions no... need to be like more competitive, like on the ground? They are. Don't you think? Have you been to a big competition? The drinking that goes yeah. on. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. it, that was like if you, so. I went to. You go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I said what I wanted no, to say. No, I was saying. Yeah, I was saying that. <clears throat> you know, when I got there, I was more worried. I was, I went and I'm like, I want to see how the judging is because I've heard these horror stories at Worlds and the judging is this and that, um, which is a whole other story. I didn't really. I didn't think the judging was unfair. I thought the people that were in the top five or ten deserved to to be where they were and and, you know, sometimes it comes down to you know, order a flight or condition, whatever. But what was really shocking was how well each team got along with each other. Like I expected like the U.S. not the US, expected France to be with France and, you know, Russia to be with Russia. But everybody was just like hanging out <laughs> at night was a different story. You know, there was there was um, some more hanging out. And I'm like, I thought we were all <laughs> yes. like, in competition against each other. Like, I thought this was a competition. Like, why are we? Talking to the enemy. <laughs> no, this is the really cool thing, you know, because everybody knows, okay, yeah, everybody's yeah. put the work in and you, you have to make a certain effort to even be there. And uh, then there's no point for, there's really no point in animosities whatsoever. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, that's the, that's the enjoyable part of it. Where some of the, I mean, some of the best parties I've ever attended were during competitions. 
And I mean, I know yeah. the bottle to bottle rule, you know, that's very taken very sacredly here in the US in particular. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was that was like the eye opening thing for me. Um, did you ever have like a um, you you seem like a like such a nice guy, too. So it's probably oh, no, know, you but... just you don't know. You just don't know me. <laughs> shit so did you have like somebody who like when you showed up at a competition or at a world who like you were like i i want this is the guy i want to beat this guy just rubs me the wrong way like i just want to clean his clock um was there anybody like that that kind of like um that everybody wanted to beat or something like that not to be like, there's just people you try to you know not spend too much time with um yeah yeah, yeah. It's, Arrival. you know, look what I have, look how amazing I am, and um, that kind of thing. But uh, usually the, you know, the guys that I was aspiring to or trying to, you know, learn from, um, yeah, they were the guys I wanted to, because I got along with them, really. You know, that was the case with Renault, that was the case with Gerald, or whoever else you name. Mikael Mamistov is one of the nicest people you can meet. And so, all, you know, all these guys, they, they make it easy. They make it enjoyable to be on an event like this. Yeah. No, it's, it's incredible how good Mamislav is. I mean, guy's just a machine. Absolute yeah, and I mean, machine. you know, and back to, you know, the, the, what, how much the airplane contributes. You can strap Mikhail to a 40-year-old Suhoi that hasn't been washed in 10 years. And he will still <laughs> wax pretty much everybody else, you know, because he's just, you know, you can talk to him two minutes before he climbs into the airplane. And then he's like, oh, I go for a little flight. And then everybody's <laughs> jaw drops, you know, when he when he rocks the wings because it's just like clockwork. And they, it is very, very impressive, you know, when somebody does something for such a long time uh, as his profession, as his job and um, under, you know, all these with with all these precursors um uh, that is very impressive yeah no he's one very, of my favorites. and it's also my, cool my that he's abs- sorry no no go what's cool no it's also cool that these people share their experience you know i was able to fly yeah. with a lot of those guys in the two-seat airplane this is why that's a reason why i particularly like uh, two-seat airplanes because they got me to fly with people in the same machine and got to see how that all works and yeah. uh, that was, uh, you know, all, a lot of those flights in itself were very remarkable. Yeah. No, Mark's got a midwing. He's got a really nice two-seat midwing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> he laughs. I love he laughed at you. I love it. <laughs> oh, that fucking thing. Uh, that, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my first um, beer. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, now you can learn yep. from everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, two seat. I've had my most, obviously, everybody's had the most fun in two seaters. Um, and I really uh, enjoy flying with other people. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Depends on the person. Yeah. Oh my God. Too funny. Um, I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, this is very quick, you know, how enjoyable that can be. We did, uh, Gerald and I did a demo weekend. I'm not saying where and when. But we had on in two and a half days, we had, f- I think, three or four flat tires. We came back with holes on both sides of the canopy from people sticking their head out uh, and oh a big gosh. hole in the rudder. So that thing, uh, yeah, yeah. At, by Sunday afternoon, it looked like it's been through war. 
and um, <laughs> we landed back in Wiccan Beer and I said, all I want now is a beer. You know, and no take kidding. off one of those replaced tires, busted again, said, fuck it, we left it on the runway, went for a beer. Yeah, <laughs> so, we'll get it later. Yeah. We'll oh. get it later. Yeah, he's epic. Gerald is epic. My favorite, I think my, we, you know, here in America, um, Leo is like, Leo Loudenslugger is, you know, it's a common answer, but I would say my favorite all-time pilot is is got to be Xavier. Yes, yes. I, I he's think incredible. he's. I think he's the. I I hate to say it. I think he's the greatest of all time. I I, I would I would vote him, but I've never seen mm-hmm. Renault. Yeah, I've never seen him fly. But um, when Renault picked up where Xavier left, you know, this is this is the thing. So he was a, uh, the evolution from what Xavier did with the Suhoi, he did with all kinds of other airplanes. Yeah, and um, that was uh, yeah, but. Yeah, definitely, and you know he's he's training again now. So if you bring him really? over, yeah. Oh, I thought training, not flying. Now is he? He's coaching. No, he's he's most of his time when he's you know got spare time, he stands on the surfboard, but he's coaching. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I heard he was coaching. I mean, if that guy ever came back, I think a lot of people would quit. <laughs> he's freaking amazing. Isn't this a, isn't that such a weird world though? How like you have these people that are, that are so iconic and so good. And then they just like, eh, I'm gonna go surf now. And yeah, then they're just did, I guess not top win, level competitors win anymore. Worlds, win worlds, and you know where else do you go? Where else do you do? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look at. I'm yeah. just guessing. Yeah. That's yeah, I mean that's that's another thing. You know, when you look at the Russians, they're pretty much the only ones who, after they've they've won, they all come back because it's their job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Mikhail is uh, Mikhail and. Um, who is the other? Oh man, yeah, I always forget his name. No, I mean, yeah. Oh, uh, not Kratov. Um, Oleg. No. Uh, it'll come to me in a minute. Rock, oh, Rachmanin. The, yes, Sergei. Yeah, Rachmanin. And they, you know, they they come back from war. I say, yeah, okay, maybe I win again, maybe not, but I'm here to play the game. So, and yeah. that's pretty cool. I love it. I, I would love and it, Philip. If you came back to competition, I would come watch. I'd be there anyway because <laughs> I'd be. Yeah, I, hopefully you, you would compete. Just clean my clock, but it, it would be an no, enjoyable no, time for me to get my ass kicked. <laughs> no, no, that's not the that's not the point. You know, it's probably fun yeah. to to get drunk. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> I haven't said that, um, dude. The, you know what's crazy is I made the um, I'm making the jump into unlimited, kind of dabbling or you know just taking my time with it. It is such a huge jump. Do you, was it always a big jump for you? Going from advanced to unlimited? It was just what I wanted to do. I mean, the yeah. unlimited is so much more interesting in terms of the figures and the sequence building. Um, yeah. That I think advanced, I mean, advanced was meant to be a step up and it really should be a step up. And, you know, I'm still not a fan of an advanced world championships because I think if people want to fly a world championship, keep training another season and then fly unlimited, fly the real deal and watering this down by even making an intermediate world championship so people can take home trophies and have no no point in, in training anymore. I think that's yeah. diluting the, the the real idea of, of a championship. Well, that's a really interesting yeah. take on it. That's really interesting. I never thought of that like that. Yeah, I wish Indeed. they would have kept the 200 horsepower rule. I really do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is what it was meant for, you know, to give the legacy airplanes or give people who can, let's say, only afford a legacy airplane on their way up, 
to compete in a like real world scenario with judging and everything but then it became its own thing and meanwhile you have almost exclusively SEs also in in advance so money clearly isn't yeah. the issue um, but you can stop after essentially half the training yeah. and um, the the unlimited suffered from this in a way that there's don't there is there's not many more reasons or not a lot of reasons anymore to actually put the extra work in. And I mean, that's, you know, another thing yeah. that Martin from NT Propeller said many years ago um, is that uh, aerobatics is the last true sport because you'd never find a sponsor. You know, and yeah. if, if you look in the US, that's the only people in the world who ever, I mean, other than a, a few very, very outstanding individuals across the planet, the US is the only place in the world where people get any kind of sponsorship that even pays any bills for aerobatic flying and that's air shows yeah. that's not competition yeah and, um, and it's and there's not a lot of sponsors out there anymore i mean tucker isn't from what i understand oracle you know he's hanging that up and it's just yeah. like Goulian and um who else mark yeah i mean not even rob holland has like a you know a uh, like a title sponsor to the point where yep. you're sticking you're sticking a single sponsor all over the airplane it's you know yep. um yeah i, I don't know That's, what's yeah. sad is you know i think those days are gone you know seeing the bud light this or the Michelob that or the uh oracle this like i, I don't i don't see that you know i mean uh jack links dropped uh john clatt you know um, a and g internet yeah 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 um you know so like you know Matt Chapman, you know scraping off Emery Riddle off 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 of his airplane. Obviously he retired, but at the same time it's like you're you're, you're kind of seeing these like major single sponsors. Um, you know they're not renewing. You know Riddle's not sponsoring somebody else. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. Um, it's kind of sad to see that kind of go because that's that's such a huge part of it, and I, it'll become that thing where, where like you know kind of alluding to what you're saying, Philip, with competition. It's like it's all SCs and advanced and unlimited. Um, the money's there, but it's, that's going to be so neat niche that um, if anybody wants to try to make money doing doing it th at that level, it's just going to become prohibitive. I mean, it already is, but it's going to become worse. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's why the the Russian team and the French team are so good at competitions because they at least get the get a huge. They have a support network behind them. And yeah. um, the team gets picked. The you know the the operating cost for the airplanes and for the 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 training camps is actually covered. And this makes all the difference in the world to a lot of people. And you know, if you look at the average age on a, on on a competition, you know you can see that like for example France always has the youngest pilots. Why? Because they have a network behind you know in the country which supports these guys. You know they can fly and see. Or a Cup two three two for one hundred and twenty euros or one hundred fifty dollars an hour wet, and even though the fuel is a fraction here compared to Europe, um, this is simply because there's a um, like an infrastructure behind. And in the US, you, you said it earlier, it's every man for himself or every woman for herself. You know, it's all yeah. self-sponsored. Yeah. And then of course, people by the time they spend that amount of money, they and that means they have this amount of disposable income. And most people with, you know, that's also with no disrespect, it's just a fact. A lot of people yeah. that get this, earn this amount of money, they think that 
the skills that earn them the, this amount of money is transferable into any sport <laughs> and at least in you know in aerobatics that's clearly not the case so it takes a yeah. it's a very specific thing and if you go to a championship it's really who trains the most it's not the person with the most money that wins it's never the case and i think that's also yeah. a bit discouraging to those individuals who could afford the airplanes but they know that there's no, you know, other than a little plastic pot that you can uh, take home, there's no glory, nothing. Yeah. And it's really yeah. a, an enthusiast slash idiot sport of people who really want to do it you for nothing else than doing it. Yeah, you have yeah. to. Yeah, you have to be really into it. Otherwise, you just stay away from it. There is no money in it. There is no fame. You know, there's a couple of people like Rob, you know, who can to a degree benefit um, from their competition achievements. And, and translate them into air show bookings, for example. He's but a fascinating one because his it's his his competition line has fueled his air show stardom, and his air show money yeah. fuels his competition habit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it's really no, like, it's... It's, it's funny, you know, in that regard. He's one of the few that does that. Yes, which is great. You know, yes, it's like but, it's like literally yes. his job pays for his passion, which I love. I, I mean, I love that that yep. he's able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know how many how many of them are there out there? So this is again you know, we're back to square one, yeah. and the then you have the the guys you know who who can afford a pit. And I mean, frankly, you know that's the reason why I built those airplanes because if I would have stood in my job as a composite glider repair guy, then I couldn't probably up to this day couldn't even afford a pit. So, and when one of my then colleagues at Extra and I asked the the workshop manager at Extra what we need to do to be able to uh, be able to sit in one of those modern airplanes on a regular basis. The guy said, first, you need to quit your job here. And that's what, you know, <laughs> we both took to heart and set off. And, you know, here I am. But uh, I must yeah. admit, I've been m more lucky than good on a huge number of occasions. And the, the um, if you if you look at a contest, most of the people have a, either an airline background or, you know, take have some other source of income where, this amount of this amount of money is is really you know can can be spent without heartache and that yeah. narrows the field of competitors down and the the nature of any kind of technical sport is development so you know going going with any type of pits to an unlimited competition is not even cute anymore it's almost suicidal because you know right. 45 <laughs> downline with a snap and four half rolls you will need a tunnel at the bottom of it otherwise it's not going to work and that's not yeah. to degrade the pits, you know, the pits has has started a lot and it's great and, you know, a lot of respect, but times have moved on and now the tools to do the job is just a different one, has to look a little yeah. different. And, yeah. and with it comes that it's more expensive, surprise, surprise, you know, that goes for electric drills as much as for aerobatic airplanes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. That was a yeah, really I don't good see explanation. A I don't see a scenario in which uh, Aviat just ceases production of the pits I, I don't see i don't see how the pits it's not relevant in competition anymore a high level competition i just don't i, I don't know what they're gonna do you know it's yeah. funny philip because because mark was talking so highly of the pits when we had sammy mason on and now he's knocking it <laughs> i love the pits <laughs> man i'll i'll always yeah. have a soft spot for the red biplane man i, I they're it. fun I'm as kidding. fuck to fly but yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, no question. it's like watching, uh, you know, it's like, it's like, I don't know. I don't even know like what to compare it to. It's like something you loved, but let it, 
you know, you had to let it go, but you still you watch it and you're just like, that'll never work, but I'll love it. It's the, that's like the pits in competition. It's it had its day, it's done. Well, it's like the three hundred S. I mean, the three hundred that was really never unlimited to be honest. But you yeah. know, it's you can't fly a three hundred S unlimited and win Not well. competitively. You know. Well, I mean, Peter um, Bechner did, Klaus Schroth did. You know, there were a number of people who did that. Uh, um, Xavier de la Perron did. No, but I no, can I mean, now, like, like now. in 2021. No, I'm talking yeah. now, 2020, 2021, at like a world mm. competition. I, I think you're still, you could still be in the top five at least. You think so? Yeah, with yeah. the right pilot. Okay. Yeah. It's certainly more capable than, I mean, yeah, okay. I was just th- kind of thinking that, you know, the ESC or whatever rolled along and kind of like, I don't know, I'm an idiot, I guess. No, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean it's the, an old design, you know. You know. The, Fred Chesneau in, in, in France, has uh, he flew, I think, two world championships with a stock 300L and did really, really well, you know, because he just flew incredibly clean. And he, he took a break. I think he, I've seen him take a break um, simply because the, you know, the performance is what it is. But yeah. he did a very, very good presentation for the airplane. Wow. Jeez. That's, That's super impressive. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it wasn't Oya Francois in, in, in China did an air show, uh, an air show routine uh, in China with with um, uh, Patrick Davidson's old clapped out 300L. That was really, really amazing to watch. So all low and low energy, but very, very interesting, you know, and very like tricked out. So he clearly had thought about it before he climbed into the airplane. Yeah. And uh, it was, was, no, it was very entertaining, very interesting. And um what do you? Yeah, it was something. Have, I really wow. appreciate you, you, you hanging out with us for. I know it's getting late, but we only have a couple more things. Um, and if you don't want to touch this, totally get it. What do you think about the Gen Pro? And I'm not. I'm not trying to be cute. Um, I think it's a really <laughs> yeah, cool looking airplane. No, no, no. I'm serious. I think it's got a lot of cool <laughs> attributes to it. Uh, but what's the deal with that airplane? Like, there's not a lot of stuff going on. You know, being told about it, besides the fact that it's great, but. You know, there's I mean, no real specifications going. So um, Francois Levot was hired as a as a high level pilot to help them get the airplane out the door and make it work. And uh, he became apparently a very not much respected po- uh, person in this place after he told him his his opinion. I see. And. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's all I can. I never sense. had any personal contact with it. I just heard Zul um, talk about it, and a few other people that saw it appear on a European Championships in Switzerland. And you can look up the results. I don't have to, kind of. Yeah, that's you know, kind of like what, what, yeah. other, what other people don't have put. Said. It, I don't have to put any any salt in the wounds. You know, you just you just look up competition results and you'll see what I mean. Sure. Yeah. Um, it is. You know, the, all these airplanes, they look very simple. They At the end of the day, they are very simple. But there's just coming out of the green from, let's say, de- designing a, a touring airplane and then say, you know, I blow, I blow everybody else out of the water with what I do without any previous contact to the sport and really getting into it is, <laughs> I don't think that works. No, and that I'll be that with no disrespect to the company or to the designer. I don't know any of these people, so I can't, you know, I don't want to be judgmental. 
Sure. But um, as far as I know, they, they haven't, I mean, at, at least I have not met any of these guys on a competition ever. I have heard that they've been around the scene a while. And, um, you know, there was also the Corvus uh, from yeah. Hungary uh, playing the Peter Bechenes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, Peter Bechenes put money into this and um, you can, uh, I mean, <laughs> you can ask him. So there's all you know a lot of people that you could call up and ask to be on your podcast. Uh, probably much more funny to talk to than I am. And, is is um, Gamebird going to get involved in this new World Championship Air Race Company thing going on? Not that I'm uh, aware of. Not that you're unless know, unless it, they find somebody else. I don't know. I can't tell you. I mean, yeah. I have heard that That's something exciting. might happen. Um, I know the numbers from the Red Bull Air Race. Um, right. All I can say, you know, this it took it took Dieter Mateschitz as a person with his enthusiasm to sink that amount of money into an event like this, you know. And okay, great, you know. I think everybody who was part of it should be grateful that they had this opportunity to enjoy that that type of thing. But expecting somebody else to do the same is uh, probably a bit far-fetched, I would say. That's kind of what we were kind of thinking. And yeah. our biggest fear, what we were talking about, was that, you know, Red Bull does, obviously, they do everything top-notch. But what was really incredible with Red Bull was their their safety aspect. And that costs a ton of money, I'm sure, to have that kind of staffing and, you know, regiment. And I'm kind of worried that, you know, if it does go through, that I hope that, the one thing that they keep the same as Red Bull is the safety aspect um, because it's it's really incredible how well Red Bull, you know, put on that show and, and how safe they made it. You know, obviously, um, thank God nobody, nobody got seriously hurt. And um, that's my biggest fear with them kind of doing the air race again because there's no way Red Bull came close to even breaking even on that. No, no, no. I mean, you know? <laughs> not even remotely. Um, I mean, yeah. the, the one thing is, you know, in the beginning, they started with guys who flew low level all their life. So Klaus Schroth, Peter Bechenet, Jürgis Kairis, Paul Bonhomme, Steve Jones, all yep. these guys were used to have an ear on the grass literally all the time during their routines. And um, they started with those guys and each single one of these people um, had moments of one description or the other during this thing. And that's how they learned. If they would have started with less experienced people, they would have killed somebody very early on, for yeah. sure. And uh, those guys were then, you know, listened enough to like Bonham, namely, or other people to to actually defuse that thing into something survivable. And yeah. that's the. And if somebody starts on a green field now and says, "Hey, we want to do the same thing without that experience," that could go sideways pretty quickly. That's yeah. what we're kind of we're kind of worried about, and I hope. I wish it the best. I mean, it's it's definitely exciting, but obviously nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. Um, yep. But yeah, and then well, while I, mean, I got such... Sorry, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit cynical about this. You know, there's this, uh, like, Circus Maximus 2,000 years ago. Yeah. People want to see accidents, you know. So this is still... I'm not sure this is the thing to say nowadays, but, you know, the, back, you know I'm sure you've all seen the great Waldo Pepper movie. Yep. And... Um, yeah. That is, I don't think much of that has changed, much of that fundamental mentality of why people go and see a spectacle. Yeah, I mean, look at NASCAR. There's always that element, and, for uh, sure. Yeah. 
Um, and I just, say, you know, personally, yeah, sorry, I, personally, I never had the ambition to kill myself in a, in front of a million people. That's just really nothing to aspire to, I think. Yeah. And I don't say yeah. anybody else does, but I was, you know, pers- as a per- now just speaking from my own point of view, I always at that time had a job where I could fly, do the type of flying that I already wanted. So, yeah, keep a passion for it. Yeah, and it's yeah, and well, it, you know, from you what I learned from, yeah, sorry, from sorry. what I learned from a, a couple of these people is that mm. some of the some of the aspects of how that air race was run in particular in the later years um, did kind of the opposite to a degree. Yeah. I can understand that. And, and especially like when you're looking at, you know, what the, what, what the business model is, you know, the, the, the fundamental ideas of, of the Red Bull air races were, okay, you're, you're, you're low level, you're timed. And then it became this like, Hey, we can sink some real development. It became this like racing development team mentality where you had aerodynamic programs and, and, you know, uh, experts coming in and you're, you're really pushing limits. I mean, you know, I, that's such a cliche, cliche to say, right? Pushing the limits, but like they really were, you know, you're, you're continuing to fight for hundreds of a second, tenths of a second. And so that, that really does, it, it, it pushes, you know, it pushes people to the limits. And then luckily we, you know, we had, there were some close calls, but nobody found the limit. Um, and these were all highly, highly competitive guys. Some of the best, uh, arguably the best pilots in the world. But they're, you know, super competitive. So they're absolutely, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you no, wonder what kind of environment, you know, they would, those people would be under, um, it, you know, if it was less regulated, not, not to say that they're unprofessional or anything like that, but it's, you know, um, you got to have that safety margin built in. And when that starts to degrade, it, that was probably a good time for Red Bull to kind of say, you know what, it's time to stop. Yeah, I mean, there were you know there were all kinds of like semi-cooked attempts to do this. One thing that stands out is uh, I don't I think it was 2006. There was an air race in Malta where two guys collided and uh, um, yeah. somebody flew into the tail of a Yak 55. The tail fell off. The thing nose dived into the sea and that was it. And um, that's a, a typical example, uh, like a bad example of how not to organize an event like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I agree. Yeah. It'd be nice to see um, some state variety, but I mean, you know, it, it's just, it's like you said, Philip, it's just, I don't think it's, it's as exciting. And it, I think it's hard to understand for the average person what's going on. I don't, you know, you're talking G limits and, you know, drag and it, all that kind of, and most people just want to see something go around in the track and, and be done with it. You know, they just can't relate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I personally think there is probably a, a concept that could work, you know, but uh, again, that comes down to a test. You know, maybe we come up with a little test balloon one day. Um, but uh, the concept of having just one airplane going around a track at a time, you know, is obviously safe, but it's also not the same as watching whatever 30 NASCAR monsters yeah. <laughs> going in circle you know that's a whole different level of excitement that everybody can share yeah yeah exactly and when you and when you actually ask people to pay i don't know 150 bucks entrance fee and they see the same thing over and over and over again and they the only difference that they can tell <laughs> between one and the next flight is a is a watch that shows one decimal after the comma dif- slightly different and it's like yeah you know what can I have another beer elsewhere? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. 
too funny. So I think there's, it's thought as a great idea. You know, Peter Bechner when he started this, he was fed up with the with the judge with the judging in um, aerobatic competitions, and then said he wants to have something less subjective, more objective. And that's how the the um, aerobatics against the clock basically were invented, so to speak. And that's what evolved into the Red Bull Air Race. But it also um, came, you know, became a huge marketing machine essentially. And this is what you know. What of course you can understand it from a business point of view. They wanted to sell yeah. their lemonade. Well, you know, that's kind of the whole point of this whole thing. <laughs> sure, but it's. Um, <laughs> It's also not so much about the, the the flying, you know, and as opposed to let's say car racing, you're still operating in an environment where you know the airplane development in itself was actually marginal. There was, you know, like back in 2010, 2011, they had some phenomenal engines. Hannes Eich had some of the hottest 540 engines that were ever built, in my opinion. Um, but the airplane itself, that was that was really very, very little because people still had to work within the constraints of an existing airplane. Right. And nobody ever put the money out to actually come up with a purpose-built machine, which could have changed the game, but it would have been a lot of money and a lot of development and so on and so forth. And yeah, and um, that, you know, that kind of, it wasn't that as much as a spectacle as it as it could have been, let's put it like this. Gotcha. Sure. Oh, totally. Really cool stuff. I, I, Mark, I am like filled with information right now. I don't know if I'm going to go to bed. I love it. No, I love it. This is this is super fun. Um, and then we unveiled, we unveiled the GB2 uh, to our fans. Tricycle, tricycle gear, biplane, biplane. tri-engine. Tri-engine. <laughs> it's steam it's engine. Open, amazing. How about steam open cockpit? <laughs> Electric solar, steam engine. Yeah, Electric solar steam powered. Engine, yeah, it's, yeah it's solar panels. Yeah. That's the reason for the biplane, so you can have more solar area. They're basically yeah, solar exactly. panels. Yeah. They're basically yeah, solar now we're, now we're actually working with the GB3 already, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to give away too much. Yeah. See, here we go. You know, if you if you want to kick kick a little something to us for our amazing ideas for these, these airplanes that are going to sell like hotcakes, <laughs> we would just love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, we, sure. we, could, we could we can make up your whole R&D department just the two of us you can fire all those 58 <laughs> other employees <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they love that idea yeah. <laughs> oh no shout out to that man oh, yeah well Philip well, you, um, you want to uh, can you plug uh, plug your websites your social media and, and tell people where to find you and um, if they want more information on the, the GB1 how to contact you yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure nobody wants to listen to me, but I can look at airplane pictures. That's much more entertaining. And the uh, <laughs> website is www.gamecomposites.com, all one word. And game, like playing a game, composites like plastic. And uh, yeah, look us up. And we try to keep the social media updated. Christian and I do our worst to you know, put bright, colorful things out there. And um, yeah. yeah, somebody wants to awesome. visit, please do. And uh, we are here to help and take your money. So we're gonna get <laughs> uh, we're gonna get Christian Bolton on uh, next week. I was afraid I, get, I was gonna get his last name wrong, but it's Bolton. Um, super psyched and um, yeah, yeah. Philip Steinbeck, um, the man. He doesn't have a ponytail anymore, but we still love him. 
<laughs> it's in spirit. It's the ponytails in spirit. You know, it's like you never, you can never really cut off the spirit of a ponytail. But it's yeah. just evidence of a misspent youth. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, we really appreciate you coming on this shitty podcast. And uh, you're welcome. That's uh, one way to spend an evening. Thank you, gents. Yeah, thank you so much, Philip, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Do you want to, Mark? Yeah, do you want to tell Philip? Do you want to tell Philip what rank we are in the in the United States for aviation podcasts? Well, our, so it fluctuates. The highest we've been is thirteen. I don't know what we are Ooh. today, but uh, we're up there. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> out of how many? Uh, hundreds. I don't know. Maybe thousands. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know. You're, you're, we're as surprised as you are. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm I sure just... I, I drop your numbers down. Trust me on that. So. <laughs> I don't know. You don't need That's to worry okay. about success for longer. <laughs> Trust me, Mark and I could do that on our own. Oh yeah, we we tank, the, we tank this podcast on a weekly basis. Very yeah. good. Yeah, like yeah, that's something I can help with. Well, thanks, thanks again, man. And uh, next week, definitely, uh, we'll try to do it earlier because Mark's on stupid time zone, and yeah. um, hmm. maybe you can we'll sit get, we'll next get to Christian Bolton. Yeah, we'll get his schedule yeah. and. See when we can get him on. That'd be that'd be a that'd be a blast. Very nice. good. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Have you spoken to him already? Um, he uh, mess- just, he actually messaged us yeah. uh, earlier today. Um, so we'll uh, I'll shoot him a, a message on Facebook and we'll uh, we'll get it locked in. Awesome. All right. Very yeah. good. Well, thank uh, you very much, it's Philip. It's been an honor and a. Uh, no, it's no. been really awesome talking to you. You're, honestly, I'm gonna sound so cliche and everybody's gonna hate me, but. Um, I've watched videos of you flying probably since 20 years ago and total uh, awesomeness and really love everything you've been doing. And there's a lot of people out there that I hope you know that you've inspired. And um, absolutely, we really appreciate everything that you've done for the sport. Um, and that's an understatement. So um, just want to say need thank the money, you. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a true American. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, hopefully this sold but a yeah, bunch no. of uh, GB. I think the orders are going to flood flood in after this this podcast. Oh, oh my god! Scary. It's yeah, yeah, I'm sure. It's, yeah, you probably have. <laughs> okay, five, we'll five share the beer now. if it pays for any <laughs> deal. <laughs> oh my god, deal! How about this? If, if somebody buys a, G, a GB uh, one or two or three, or two. <laughs> yep, <laughs> then uh, you got to fly Mark and I out to do a, a live podcast. We'll Here we go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Awesome, man. Well, thanks All right, again, Philip. dude. Have a good night. All right, gents. Yeah, you too. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. You too. Thanks. thanks yep. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com.